crime in me. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime in me. We are in no way responsible for the things that come out of our mouths. We are not experts, although we may claim to be, so don't take anything that we say too literally. We are not laughing at the crimes, we are laughing at each, each other. other. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Criminy. We're your hosts, Matt and Angela. Welcome to a whole another week. To a, we made it. Disaster. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm being positive here. Okay. Yes, positivity is in the We're air. We're keeping it up. We've been doing week after week. I'm very proud of us. We're doing good. Yeah, we've we've uh, wow, this is like the longest project we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Yeah. So. I and mean, I just feel like usually like I get into something and then I'm like really into it and then I like I'm kind of like, okay, I'm done now. So I don't think that's happening here yet. So. I mean, we talked about recently how it's been a little difficult with how the world sucks and like usually the world is like whatever and we can like right? look at our darker <laughs> stories and like enjoy like the horrors of society. But then when well, the horrors of society enjoy, are like, but... not enjoy, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Relish like, in all the shitty shit. <laughs> <laughs> just be like, at least my life's not that bad. Ooh, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. like. Uh, it's been tougher finding stories that are super fucked up and right. not already feeling fucked up <laughs> because of right. events in the world. Yes. Well, and just like uh, just like a little kind of aside, like we do realize that these are real people and real people's lives, and just hoping we don't offend anyone. Uh, yeah, we're, I, I just mean, want to put that just... out there. The only people we're trying to offend are the people who are fucking with other people or animals, you know, like the assholes of the world. I hope you feel offended, but uh, any of the victims and like people involved. Yeah. Not trying Good. to offend. <laughs> no, not trying to offend. Okay. Anyway. You want to get to it? Yeah, I'm going to get started. I'm going to tell you about... The McDonald's Monopoly murder. <gasps> no, I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> but really, do you remember McDonald's Monopoly game? I do remember it. Not that I ever played. Oh, I was. Yeah, I actually, but I, I do wrote remember down it. that we and not that we ever really got to go to McDonald's. <laughs> Maybe once a year, well, and mostly it was like begging and begging and begging because of they the had toys. Because of the teeny beanie babies, teeny beanies. Oh, teeny beanies! <laughs> or the other, they always had. They had some good. Do they still do the toy thing? They I don't had like think so. really good toys know, back maybe. in the day. Yeah. And then so, you know we'd beg and beg, and mom would be like, she'd only let us go if she thought they had good toys too. And then yeah, she'd she like, okay, agree. we'll go for the it's toy. A decent toy. And then Fine. I always had to promise that I was going to eat my chicken nuggets and I would swear <laughs> to her that I'd eat them. And then we'd get there and I'd just eat the French fries and she'd uh -huh. be like, you have to have at least one chicken nugget. I was like, no, they're gross. I don't want to eat it. <laughs> yep. And I yep. wouldn't eat it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, 
you wouldn't have food that day except for the fries and like the globs of ketchup remember when you were like little (laughs) and you would just you were just like (laughs) dipping your finger in the ketchup eating it i was like asleep and then i bit my finger because i bit your finger (laughs) and then you cried that was so funny (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah anyway are we really talking about mcdonald's yeah, the only part of that that's relevant is I'm going to talk about the McDonald's Monopoly game. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> okay, so this week's episode um, is... I didn't realize it was going to be so long, but it's going to be so long that I'm going to actually have to make it into a two-parter. So I'm just going to tell you the first part of my story, and then you're going to have to wait an entire week. Sorry, Mom, but it's just what we got to do in the business of podcasting. So I got a majority of my information from this article written by Jeff Mache for the Daily Beast in 2018. Okay. In fact, some of this has been copied and pasted from his article. Because he did a pretty good job of writing it. <laughs> oh, did you pull a me and you found like one really good article and you're just going to like read it to me basically? I did. I finally had my moment. <laughs> Dude, that's well, the like, best. It's a really long article. Yeah, and that's he the best. actually he interviewed a lot of the people that were involved. Mm-hmm. So he did all the work. He did pretty, a really good job. Yeah, yeah he dude, did a really good best. job. So good job. Thank you, Jeff Mish. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the game of the McDonald's Monopoly actually has been around since 1987. <gasps> Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday to me and McDonald's Monopoly. <laughs> So, <laughs> so you know, that's that's a lot of tiny pieces of paper. That and is. I don't know if you knew this. I guess I didn't realize this, but I don't know why I wouldn't. It it's also it was an international game too. So all around the world, all the McDonald's around the world are playing oh. this Monopoly game. So, it's so a lot of you, paper. Are you going to explain the Monopoly game? Well, um I I think I'll like briefly just explain it, but uh right. I th- pretty sure most people are familiar you know you get the little piece of paper that has the monopoly board on it and when you, whenever okay. you get like certain foods like drinks or fries they would have the little monopoly pieces attached and you pull them off and you try and find the, you know most of them are like oh a free soda or like whatever right. but but like the the um was it the the top prize was winning a million dollars. So you peel and them t- off. Are they, you like fill up your board with like free Yeah, so you have to, co- so no, no. So you have to collect like different, like in Monopoly, how you collect like all of this property, you know, the blue properties or whatever. And if yeah. you collect them all, then you get like a prize. Oh, okay. Or right. there were some instant wins that like you would instantly win a French fry, like French fries, or like oh, yeah, you could yeah. win- instantly win a boat or something. Like there were instant what? wins. Yeah. <laughs> Can you and imagine? then there were. And then there were, like, if you collected, like, I think it was, like, Park Place and some other one, oh, the Boardwalk. the ones. Yeah. Then you could get, like, the, you know, good prizes or whatever. But there are only, like, you know, one in a million out there. Whatever. Okay. So, um, the game has ha- had been played from 87 um, until about 2015 in the United States. Wow. Which then flipped over and now they do some kind of dumb football game that's basically the same thing, but you collect like 
players yeah. or something. I don't know. It sounds They're dumb. going way downhill. But but Monopoly is still played in other countries. At oh. McDonald's. Um, although, like, this year... I didn't realize. Yeah. Although this year, I think McDonald's put a stop to the game just because of the pandemic. And they didn't yeah. want people, like, rushing in, buying a bunch of, you know... Did people do that? Were they, like, really into it where they'd buy, like, a bunch yes. of meals just to collect tickets? Yes. That is good marketing. Yes, exactly. Wow. It's It was okay. genius marketing on their part. Um, So just a touch of info in case you were wondering, but you probably weren't. But here, I'm some always info. wondering. So laws generally forbid a company from administering its own contests to prevent you know, fraud and cheating and stuff. So you you can't be, you can have the idea, but you can't like produce any of the pieces. You have to like outsource it to someone else. Like you have to have all that. Well, you have to have it all (laughs) handled by an impartial third party company. So McDonald's had a relationship with Simon world Inc, which is also called, um, where did I put it? Simon. Which is also Simon the Marketing. name of your kitty. Yeah. He was a conglomerate in his day. So, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. Like, in, on one side, it said Simon Worldwide Inc., but then everywhere else source, it, sit, source says Simon Marketing. So. Simon says, get to the bottom of it. Which right. is it? Which is it? I don't know. But <laughs> they... So they outsourced the contest to Simon Marketing. And so Simon okay. Marketing was responsible for the distribution of all the game pieces and stuff. But they weren't themselves a printing house. So they had to outsource the printing to another oh my company. God. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe that's kind of better. Yeah. Because then that's like, less the, that, That's the chance. theory. Yeah. Okay. That you're going to okay, so, mess with it. So let's let's go back a little bit to the 1980s. Uh, because between about 1989 and 2001, the there was a ring including mobsters, strip club owners, an ex-cop, psychics, and a family of Mormons that got more than $24 million from the Monopoly game. Wow. How, you ask? I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wait, no, but then, yeah. okay, wait. Here's my thing, though. If this ring is so big, then they're not really making that much money, are they? Well, I mean... I guess $24 is kind of a lot. And really, some of those people are like the same. It's like, oh, he owns strip clubs and he's also uh, in the mafia. So it's like two birds with they're one stone. Making money. Oh, okay. Okay. I see. <laughs> it's like they're okay. already a psychic strip club owner <laughs> mafia man. So... Yeah. It's just one person. <laughs> you got to diversify. You have to diversify those funds. <laughs> so it all started with a guy named Jerome Paul Jacobson. Mm. Jerome was born in 1943 in Youngstown, Ohio, but he moved Ohio. to Miami, moved to Miami as a teenager. I assume with his parents and not by himself. But <laughs> you never know. just said that he moved. Miami's wild. When he was of age, he enlisted in the Marines, but they Damn. rejected him because he had high arches. <gasps> what? What is <laughs> yeah. that? 
What I does that know. do? I guess it makes your feet hurt more or something. I, I don't you know. You just get arch supports in your shoes. Nope, and you're you fine, cannot. Right? These boots are do not support your arches. We're not going to invest That's in supports. So weird. <laughs> How high were his arches? <laughs> Like, I'm picturing Cinderella when the stepsister puts her foot yeah, in the shoe and foot. it, like, arches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's kind of what I'm picturing. Like, that's a high arch to me. Well, I don't know, because in 1976, his arches weren't too high to become a Hollywood police officer in Florida. And yes, there is a Hollywood in Florida. Uh, I doubt they're measuring arches, though, for police officers. I don't know. He must have had real high arches. I just can't even, like, picture that. I don't know. They were high. Although I will say this, one of my friends had no arch in her foot. Yeah, that's a flat foot. She had, like, a very flat foot. You also can be uh, um, not admitted into the military for flat feet. I don't know if they still do this stuff, but during this time they did. Right. But, I mean, that sounds painful. A high arch, I feel like you just get support for it. But, like, a flat foot, (laughs) that Uh, seems worse. Apparently, it's flat foot is better because you're, I mean, according to what I read, <laughs> having yeah. a high arch means that your foot is more stiff. So, like, uh-huh. it, it's more prone to, like, pain and hurting and um, injury. But with a flat with a flat foot, it's less supportive. So you're more likely to trip and have less supportive feet. Oh, my God. I'm going to look into foot anatomy. This is fascinating. <laughs> Like what makes yes. the arch? Uh, this is I for think my own like time. The Sorry. muscles I will look and this tendons up on my own. in your feet. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And the way your bones high are. Arch is I don't rigid know. foot. You wouldn't think yeah. that though, because it looks like bent. Interesting. Well, because if you think if it's like contracting, it's yeah more bent than if it's more relaxed yeah. and it's flatter. Anyway, yeah, less about true. feet because this has nothing to do with the word. No, more about. about feet. Feet are fascinating. Oh, speaking of feet, if you really want to take feet. care of your feet, get the Humblebee Herbal Foot Gift Box. And I will tell you this, it's winter and feet are getting dry. You better take care of those feet because like you depend you said, on them. You use them hurt. all day. Yeah, we need them. Walking on so them. They have this gift box that's happy feet uh-huh. with a foot soak and a salve for your Ooh, feet take care of that your sounds feet amazing. yeah humblebeeherbal.com humblebeeherbal.com promo code crimeany20 at checkout oh for 20 percent off that's right right your first <laughs> okay Woo. anyway so he was on the police force until a year later when he hurt his wrist during some sort of altercation did he have high arches in his wrist? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had high arch wrist arches <laughs> in his feet. And he's just like pretty useless, apparently. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what exactly his wrist injury was, but apparently yeah. it was so devastating that he had to go on medical leave. Wow. Very, very debilitating. Yeah. So yeah, I have no idea what kind of actual injury he had, but... It was, I don't know, he was on medical leave from about 77 um, and then into the 1980s. So in 1980, though, he was at home nursing that wrist when he Mm -hmm. collapsed with severe paralysis in his arms, (gasps) legs, eyes, and respiratory system. 
What? And he was, yeah, he was diagnosed with a rare neurological disorder. That is terrifying. The article decided to throw in that he was married, so uh, <laughs> he's married at this time, <laughs> to another police okay. officer named Marsha. Okay. When he fell into paralysis, she took a leave of absence to take care of him. Yeah, that's terrifying that could just happen. Yeah, well, he had a neurological disorder that he didn't know about. That's it what I'm saying. Like, yeah, okay. No, it could I just mean, happen. I guess, yeah. <laughs> so, Heck. yeah, so she said that she became his private nurse. She bathed him, yeah. massaged his muscles, fed him, basically his did everything for him. His eyes were even frozen. Yep. Ugh. Since, so since Jerome You're like literally look- trapped in your body and your yeah. eyes can only look in the whatever direction you're facing. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, so since Jerome couldn't return to work and had taken about a four-year medical leave, the city had to let him go because it's like, you worked yeah. for a year and we've been paying yeah. you medical leave for four years. For mm, that, yeah. Yeah, because it seems like you're never going to be able to come back to work, so. Well, not now. <laughs> <laughs> But in 1981, Jerome and Marsha moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and by that time, he was recovered enough to be able to hold down a job as a mechanic, building alternators for cars. Yeah, so it was just like a temporary paralysis for like a year, and then he was able to do physical therapy and get himself back to... Oh, my God. Yeah. Human beings are amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. The brain is insane. Yeah. So he got a job as a mechanic and then she got a job as a security auditor for an accounting firm called Arthur Young. And she was assigned to one of their clients called the... Yes. Was she an accountant? No. So she was doing security. She was doing security auditing for this, for them. Right. For the accounting firm. And they had a client who she was working with called the Dittler Brothers. Not the Diddler Brothers. <laughs> Still too close. It's too close. <laughs> I know. The she Dittler a different name. Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. uh-uh. So, and um, the, the Dittler Brothers were a publishing or printing press type business. Like, they could produce a bunch mm-hmm. of, you know, prints, whatever. Printers. Printers. Mm -hmm. So while Mm -hmm. she was able, so while there, she was able to recommend her husband for a job there too. Like, oh, he can do some private security around. I mean, he probably shouldn't be doing manual labor. Probably not. (laughs) Yeah. So the Dittler Dittler brothers hired him for private (laughs) security. But apparently. The D brothers. The D bros. (laughs) No, that's worse. (laughs) That is worse. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently, working with your spouse might not always be the best idea. I feel like it can be challenging. At least for their sake, because they constantly Mm -hmm. argued at work. So much so that in 1983, they ended up getting a divorce. But, yep. I mean, just don't argue at work. That's so uncomfortable when, like, couples are arguing in public. And unprofessional. Get it well, together. Well, very unprofessional. We're the Dittlers. Save it for at home. <laughs> Don't be Dittlin here. Don't Take be doing home. no Dittlin at work. 
Um, so, but you know, Jerome was staying at the Dittlers and he liked working there and he was actually able to work his way through the ranks over the years until he oversaw all production for the Dittlers client, Simon Marketing. So whenever Simon Marketing Uh, had uh, anything they wanted to mm -hmm. print, he would deal with, you know, getting all their stuff done as well as their 50, sorry, 50, their $500 million McDonald's account. Fuck. Fuck. (laughs) What? Yup. Did his wife still work there? Was his wife still a Dittler? No. Well, because she didn't work directly for the Dittler. She worked for the accounting firm. So I think she just moved to a different client that they worked with. So they weren't working together. No, they weren't working together after that. So Jerome is in charge of overseeing the production of all the pieces. And as an ex-cop, he was a stickler for making sure that no one stole anything from work. He would perform inspections on workers as they left for the night and would make them take their shoes off and like pat them down and, you know, give them a good ditlin. And then... Um, oh. like one one truck driver who transported game pieces from like yeah. place to place. He recalled, "I couldn't even go to the bathroom without someone going <gasps> with me." No, I mean yeah. I get it. Like a lot of money's at stake. This is like serious business. But like, mm-hmm. come on, that's <laughs> like an invasion. Well, Simon Marketing was super impressed by Jerome, and so they pro they poached him from the Dittlers. They were like, you need to come do security for us because your shit is on point. Because you're strip searching everyone before they you leave. We need someone like you. A good frisking. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. You're giving so a good like, okay, jitling you, to all of them. Yeah, we need you to come you, here and give them a good frisking. <laughs> they were like, you take it serious. You take your job seriously. You don't mm-hmm. let anything slip by you. We need someone like that here. All right, but who's ditlin him before he leaves work? <laughs> that is a good question. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, oh, he so he said that it was it was directly or is my responsibility to keep the integrity of the game and get those winners to the public. Yeah. And I directly took this from Jeff's article. Before each biannual game, Jerome arrived at the drab Dittler brothers office at 5 a.m. to observe their Omega-3 supercomputer making the McDonald's <laughs> prize draw. He watched the printing presses that roared for 24 hours a day for three months. Jesus. Using 100 railroad cars of paper to print half <gasps> a billion game pieces. And they said, laid end-to-end, the paper tickets would stretch from New York to Sydney. And it was nearly nearly two tickets for every American. Fuck, that's a lot of paper. Yeah. That is so Three many trees. Months. Just like <laughs> Three months, 24-7, producing wow. paper. <laughs> wow. And Jerome observed technicians applying the quote-unquote instant winner stamp on blank game pieces and uh-huh. he pioneered he pioneered random watermarks that deterred counterfeits 
Mm. Oh, yeah, that would be an issue. Yeah, he locked the winning pieces in a vault behind coded keypads and dual entry combination locks. Oh, my God. It's like top secret information. (laughs) Yes, yes. It was Jerome who personally scissored out the high value game pieces. Excuse me? And he would slip. He scissored them. What does at that Dittler's. mean? You mean cut them out? <laughs> yes, cut them out. This person. I, yes. Okay. I took it from his article. He scissored them. Okay? I mean, it's very descriptive. We know he was using scissors yeah. to cut them out. Just like. <laughs> scissoring them. So he's personally Ditlin he, and scissoring. Yep. All over. Okay. Well, in his little vault. Before okay. sealing. So he would scissor. He would scissor the high value ones Mm -hmm. before he would seal each corner with a tamper-proof metallic sticker and then in a secret vest (laughs) in a secret vest of his invention (laughs) he transported the winning pieces to mcdonald's packaging factories across the country he would so he personally was in charge of all the winning pieces to random factories that were producing like the things that they were going to be stuck to or whatever wow yeah i wonder how they chose where they were going to go uh actually they i'll tell you well i wrote down later but they used a computer that would at random select the places and then he would fly out there okay and like slap it on a a special vest yes with his special vest i wonder what that was like (laughs) just like secret compartments maybe probably i don't know with like a padlock on it i don't know <laughs> Key code. like a vest that had like a safe strapped to it <laughs> you know jerome helped pioneer security measures and techniques that were supposed to make the game fair yeah there were checks and balances for most things even he himself uh, had an independent auto auditor who followed him whenever he was traveling with the pieces that's so intense. Yeah. But so whenever he would fly. Did he have like a decoy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had like a twin secretly. And then he's like, switch. Yeah. We'll like both get in the tiny bathroom of the airplane and switch seats. Yeah. Something like we'll that. each like go on different, <laughs> different planes or something. Ooh, I don't know. That would have been a good security measure. Gotta yeah. hire twins. So, yeah. So quadruplets if you're lucky Ooh. okay well we're definitely going into security after this podcast game we're not twins no no i mean we're going into hiring and creating security measures we're not oh oh (laughs) no 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 (laughs) no no i'm not sneaky enough (laughs) i mean if i got like a fake beard i bet we could do it i bet we could pull it off i don't know you'd have to add a couple hundred pounds <laughs> some inches too i'd have to wear platform shoes yeah mm, this is too complicated let's just yeah, hire, let's just hire people <laughs> okay so okay. <laughs> whenever he would fly to another city she would join him hit the auditor but like she was always you know she wasn't paid as well so she would fly in coach while he would be in first class Oh, that's not cool. <laughs> Which seems to the defeat the purpose a little bit. And do like business. Well, I mean, because he, he he's just kind of 
an obnoxious dick and he thought it was awesome and he liked to sit up in first class and try and impress people by flashing his old cop badge and being like check it out i'm a cop no no cool and he didn't have to turn that shit in he should have had to turn that in when he was done no apparently they were like (laughs) he kept his badge and And he's like flashing them as vests he's like check this out (laughs) Check out my safe and my bag. I have all the shiny things. They're like, he's got a bomb. Get him. I mean, he was also kind of a dick too. uh, Other than that, where he would, he would like drink a bunch of alcohol that like, you know, he would get free in first class and then have the flight attendant take it back to the auditor to show her the empty bottles. (laughs) Be like, look what what I got to drink up here. What is the point of that? (laughs) Just to be a real asshole? I think so. I don't know. That thought it was funny. What a dick. <laughs> anyway, so he would land and go to the different factories, and then he would have them bring out a pallet of French fry containers, and then he would place the winning piece amongst them, and then have it sent out into the wild, wild world of salty, salty fries and sticky fingers. I wonder what she was thinking when they're bringing her alcohol bottles, and she's like, "Hey, cool." <laughs> She's like, this guy's so a fucking dick. impressed. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then, uh, well, I mean, apparently in the company, he was kind of known to harass women a oh, bit. Oh, lovely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, lovely. he's a real charmer. <laughs> so, and then every time he would go to a different city to place a winning piece, he would go, he would find the Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Ugh. Yeah. You know, the one of those. Yeah. And he would order everything on the menu and then charge his expense count account. So he wouldn't like he would just eat like whatever, like a plate of food, order like the entire menu and then just put it on his account. What is the point of that? <laughs> I think, think of all that, that food he, you're wasting. I think that the idea of like making people millionaires by like choose like, oh, I'm someone in the, I don't know, like he felt like he was playing God and like he could just be super wasteful and like I don't he know. could do whatever he wanted. Right. I don't know how many things are on their menu, but I'm guessing that's like <laughs> a lot of steaks that they're cooking yeah, for no I reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? So you're like terrible. murdering like hundreds of cows just for them to like fill your table with shit you're not gonna eat? And then be like, look it, I'm like a king in my castle with all these mounds of meats that I'm not going to finish. Hopefully they like donated all those meals or something. I doubt it. They probably have to throw them away. This guy sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, He kind of became obsessed with power. And even Sounds though he was like already getting... He was already getting $70,000 salary, which in today's money is $183,000 a year. And he gets to fly around and he gets to like buy a million steaks. Expense everything. Wow. Mm -hmm. But he was like, one of the things he was obsessed with was getting the gold medallion airline status, which like, you know, basically makes you the king of the castle on airplanes and in the airport. You get like special service and shit. I don't even know what that would be like. Yeah, I guess like you have to like acquire a bunch of air miles in order to get it. So uh-huh. he was like obsessed with that. So so a lot of times when he would have to fly to a city, he would 
like pick the route that was broken up in the most amount of places so that he could like get more miles. So this poor woman had oh to ride coach every time and he's in first class. And, and you she's have to like, hope that you don't lose your bag. Goddamn. And you're just yes. like going from, oh, you have to keep getting off the plane and getting back on. <laughs> and getting on. Uh-huh. Oh and my she thought God. it was great fun. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. Yes. What a dick. I mean, not the worst. It's not, not the, the worst. worst. Not the worst. That just sucks. That just it's, really sucks. It sucks. It sucks. Wait, he. <laughs> it's really like, uncomfortable. I just feel like if you're buying like a bunch of first class tickets a year, you'd get that status. But no, it's like a mile thing. Um, it could be both. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think it depends wow. on the airline. Okay, but, this guy sucks. I mean, you know. Yeah, like he's not paying for the flights. Right. His company is. So whether it's airline miles or just flights in general, yeah, I don't know. But he was racking them up Ugh. so that he could be worshipped. Like during this time, he would go. He liked going to psychics, and he had like this one psychic that he really liked going to. And the psychic told him to invest money and that he would be richly rewarded. Did the psychic tell him where to invest his money, or just invest in general? Just in just yeah, she just was like, you know, I think you should invest and you'll be rewarded. Okay. Okay. And so like I said, he was seeing the psychic pretty often, so it wasn't a strange occurrence for him to just leave work sometimes to go see his psychic occasionally. I mean, I feel like that's and... a strange occurrence. I don't think you should be allowed to do that. <laughs> well, he's like the boss or whatever at his little area. So Okay, but you do that like, on your off time. Right, I'll be back. What? He, he would tell he would tell colleagues that like he's like oh i think i think she she needs to tell me something so i think he was becoming psychic for his psychic or something uh-huh. <laughs> so then he would like rush off and go see the psychic and then you know come back what anyway that's bizarre <laughs> one day at a family gathering in 89 in miami Jerome just casually kind of handed his brother a Monopoly piece that he had taken from work that was worth $25,000. <gasps> well, that's super suspicious. <laughs> Years later, he said, I don't know if I just wanted to show him I could do something or or I was bragging. Do, do you know what if it was like an older brother? Uh, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying it's, trying it's probably a younger brother no, thing, that, trying to impress his great say. older brother. That's what I was going to say. I said, it, is he, like, is the brother the older brother that he was, like, trying uh, to live up to? Maybe. I don't know. That's what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> Not that us younger um, siblings feel the need to impress the older siblings. Well, Jerome later said that he didn't. He thought maybe he also just did it because he wanted to see if he could get away with taking a piece. What out of a secret vest? Of course, you could get away with that. But if you're giving it to someone with like your same name, here's the thing, though: they have like the same last name, and I doubt any of them are actually eating McDonald's. <laughs> uh, okay, I don't have any like evidence that he actually cashed it in. That okay. one, I think he just like kind of just like maybe I think my brother's just bullshitting me. Like I don't know that it's real. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think he ca he like tried to cash that one in. But one day, Jerome's local butcher and friend heard that her found out that Jerome worked for the 
company responsible for making the Monopoly pieces and kind of joked to him that, you know, one day I wouldn't mind winning something. Yeah. And Jerome was like, I could make that happen, <gasps> but it'd be but it'd be too suspicious yes. since they since we know each other. Yeah. So the and butcher, the butcher said, probably isn't going to McDonald's either because he's like butchering <laughs> real meat and he's like, I'm not going <laughs> to eat that weird mystery shit. Well, the butcher said, what if I was able to get a distant friend to collect the money and then he would give Jerome some of it. So like, you know, what is I'll a pay distant you for the ticket, friend? Basically. Like an acquaintance? Yeah, like an acquaintance who like lives in another state or something. Okay. You know, you know, be like, okay, I'll give you $2,000 if you right, cash right. this in. And then right. like, and then whatever. I'd be like, well, I just won $25,000. So I'm just going to keep the whole thing. Huh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So I'd be like, we're distant friends, so I'm just going to keep it. Thanks. Yeah. So Jerome was like, you know, let's try it out. (gasps) So he was able to get, give to the butcher who gave to his friend. Yeah. A a $10,000 instant win. Wow. And, and he cashed it and he gave Jerome $2,000 from it. Wait, wait, wait. He gets the ticket. He, like, steals the ticket from work, gives it to the yeah. butcher. The butcher, like, mails it to his friend. His friend takes it into a yeah. McDonald's, and they're like, here's $10,000. Yeah. I want... Well, no, you have to, like, fill out, like, a, you know, a winner's card or whatever. Fill out your information, and then they come okay. and verify that it's, like, an actual game okay. piece. And they're not just like, oh, we'll take your word for it. Here's a check. <laughs> no, they're, like, they're, they're, like their little investigation team comes and, like, inspects the piece for, like, the watermarks and stuff. Right. And make sure that it was legit. Do they, like, check and... a receipt to see what you bought at McDonald's to get it? No. No. Okay. Well, they're not doing a good job, are they? <laughs> well, aren't you a little detective? Well, wouldn't I be a lot better at this job? <laughs> I'll fly first class and well... fucking check people's receipts. Well, see, here's the thing. McDonald's was already overwhelmed with employee theft. For example, in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, oh, a, seven, a 17-year-old employee was arrested for stealing 3,000 Monopoly game pieces <gasps> from his job. That's obvious. <laughs> We're 17. Yeah, not thinking. Okay, yeah, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Consequences okay. don't exist when you're 17. So in in response to that, McDonald's um, started handing out game game pieces from a secure roll at the counter instead of like putting it on the stuff. It was like there was one roll at the counter and it was like secured in a box and Uh you had to like take the certain amount out. So they were all accounted for. Okay. so during that time when they were doing it that way, um, Jerome was removed from the what they call the seeding process where he's like planting Mm -hmm. the seeds in the different factories. Because they didn't have to do that. So for several years, he was just doing other kind of work for the Simon Marketing. If they're like on a roll, it'd be harder to steal, right? Right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. But in in 1995, um, they started what's known... Game pieces were, quote unquote, blown onto the wrappers. (laughs) This is just like one questionable choice of words after another. The Dittlers were blowing on. Yeah. <laughs> no, the Dittlers were, There's were, like pr- were Dittlin, printing Cicerin, for blowing. And... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I told you it was going to get dirty. This is no, risque. I didn't warn you. you didn't give us I gotta a put this, up. Like, I got to put like an X-rated warning on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I don't really know exactly how they were attached before, Mm -hmm. but apparently this new blown process, like kind of sealed, you know, like they like (laughs) kind of sealed them to the more secure. Yeah. Okay. So, so when they started blowing those wrappers, (laughs) Jerome was back in charge of the distribution of the winning pieces. Was the role not working then? Well, I don't know why they switched. I think maybe it was just. Well, I think it was maybe easier to have them already on all the stuff and then just like, you know, fill your containers and hand them to the customer. So I would assume it might. Yeah. And it looks cool. Like the peeling it off. It was always really fun. And like, you know, it's satisfying. Yeah. So during that time, like I said, that they were using a computer program that would randomly select what factories the winning pieces would go to. Right. And... But Jerome noticed that whenever the computer would choose a factory in Canada, the executives would rerun the program until it chose a a place in the United States. So no one's winning in Canada. Right. So he said, I knew what they were doing in Canada was wrong. He said that sooner or later, somebody was going to be asking questions about why there were no winners in Canada. Yeah. Why weren't there winners in Canada? So believing that the game was rigged, he decided, what the fuck? I'm just going to cash in on this. I'm going to keep rigging it. I'm going to keep rigging it. So, and not long after, coincidentally, Jerome was accidentally shipped a package from a supplier in Hong Kong that had a set of the anti-tamper seals for the game piece envelopes. Mm -hmm. So now all he needed were the winning game pieces because then he could have them sealed and make them look even more official. What? What are the chances? Right? It was like just put in his lap. Wow. Also, I'm still hung up on why they're not letting Canada win. <laughs> I don't know. He Okay. This is his reasoning later on of why he did what he did, yeah. what I'm going to tell you about. Because he said, well, they're corrupt anyway. See what they did in Canada. And I don't know <laughs> if there was actual data that backed that up yeah. or what. He said, I mean, it says later on that he got some evidence, but I don't know what the evidence was. He's like solidarity with Canadians. <laughs> yeah. he He's like, oh, Canada. <laughs> so he said, he later admitted, I would go into the men's room of the airport, the only place the female auditor couldn't follow me. I would go into a stall. I would take the seal off. So he'd like open his vest up. He'd yeah. like take the the winning piece. He'd take the the seal off the little envelope, and then he'd pour the winning game pieces into his hands and replace them with quote unquote commons, uh-huh. and then he would reseal the envelope with the official seals that he had. Okay. So it would look like he never tampered with the envelope right. that was in his pocket. Okay. Here's my thing though. He's having people followed into bathrooms, and then he's like, "Oh, you can't follow me here." She should have gone in that damn well, bathroom. She Angela, she's a woman. Well, she should have been like, fuck you. Like, you're making me sit in, like, you know, regular class on the airplane and showing me your alcohol bottles. I'm coming to the bathroom with you and make sure you're not cheating. <laughs> That's what you get. I mean, not that I, not that I don't agree with you. I just think that he had more money and power and she was, you know. Okay. So that was his loophole. Okay. Okay. Bathroom loophole. <laughs> so, so bathroom loophole. <laughs> First... He stole a $1 million instant win game piece, and then he locked it in a safety deposit box. So he's taking all the winning pieces. He's not even being he just stole. First, he just stole the $1 million. Oh, so he emptied them into his hand, opened them all up, and found the $1 million. 
I'm sure that like he had specific ones like this envelope contains the million dollar one or whatever. I open it up, take that one, slip it with a, you know, whatever common common one and then seal it up, put it back in the vest. Okay. So he just took the million dollar one and then so we put it in a safety deposit box for safekeeping. In the meantime, he stole some documents that he claimed proved the Canadian, <laughs> the Canada cons- conspiracy. Yeah, you got to back it up. Right. He said, I thought I would need to protect myself. Yep, that's right. So that if his employer ever fired him, he had a get out of jail free How card. that? <laughs> You're cheating so Canada like, can't win so I can do whatever the fuck I want? Yeah. Look, I'll release that you're discriminating against Canada and then you're fucked. Yeah. So okay. he so he had to test out the water, you know, see if it would work. So right. he but he didn't want to be associated with the million dollar game piece. He just had to see if he could pass it off onto someone else and that they could claim the yes. prize. So on November 5th in 1995, he dropped the winning piece in a little envelope and he put it in the uh, the mailbox of St. Jude Children's Hospital Children's Research Hospital in Tennessee. Wow. So what, the secretary or whoever took in the mail like found it and was like, "Oh my god, is this real?" and right. like called McDonald's, called up called up old Ronald McDonald and he came out and was like, "Let's inspect and his this big shit. clown shoes." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scaring all the children. So you know, Ron Ronald and the uh, officials had their jeweler's loop and their, you know, their mustaches. And they were like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Looks legit. With their red noses. Good. And then Ronald held a a press conference to announce the $1 million winner. But despite their their best efforts, nobody could figure out who donated the winning piece. Right. Mm-hmm. So he was like, okay, so pretty legit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Back in Atlanta, Jerome's butcher was like, hey, I'm ready to win again. What? This time, though, he proposed that he would travel with his sister to Maryland where she would find the lucky his game sister? piece on a box of fries. Okay, listen. Mm-hmm. He's greedy. Well, she's married. She has a different last name. Listen. He's getting Listen. greedy. How hard is it to track who you're related to, even if you have a different last name? 17-year-olds are stealing cups, okay? <laughs> we, have to, <laughs> we have to focus on the bigger picture, Priorities. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Jerome was like, okay, let's try it again. This time, though, he stole a $200,000 instant win. Shit. In exchange for $45,000 of the winnings. Wow. He said, I figured I could trust him because he paid me the first time. But the butcher double-crossed him (gasps) in Maryland and claimed the prize for himself. What? What about the butcher's code to not steal from your friend customers? So he didn't have his sister... He didn't have his sister claim it. He claimed it himself. I told you he was greedy. What did I just say? He's greedy. One evening when Jerome was watching TV... Uh-huh. He, so he didn't know that he claimed it until he was watching TV and saw a commercial for the McDonald's Monopoly game. <gasps> and to his complete disbelief, he saw the butcher celebrating his big win they on TV. They real people for that? Oh my yes. God, that's insane. What a way to catch him. <laughs> uh, you would think so. No? <laughs> you would think so. What? 
So this goes on. What? One I day, feel like that's Jerome so was... obvious. Like some dude travels <laughs> to a different state and then happens to win like right when he gets there, basically. And his friends slash the butcher of the guy who's like distributing the <laughs> cards. What? Well, they're not doing their research, I guess. So uh, one day, Jerome was oh, wait, at the airport qu- waiting for... question. So since he knows where all the winning tickets are supposed to go... Is that how he makes it less mm-hmm. obvious? So he's like, you got to pick this up in like one of these states or something. I would assume he's like, so. This is where they're going. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So one day Jerome was at the airport as he normally was mm-hmm. waiting for another flight. And this big dude sits next to him and uh, they introduce themselves to each other and start chatting. And the guy, his name was Gennaro Colombo. Who apparently looked a touch like Al Capone. (laughs) So Jerome asked where. (laughs) uh, He was like bald and like, you know, big, beefy, a a big, a round, big, big round. Um, So Jerome asked where he was headed and Columbo unzipped his fanny pack and showed him that it was just (laughs) stuffed with hundred dollar bills. As and you do on a he, plane. And he told told Jerome that he was going to Atlantis, Atlantic City. Mm. He told Jerome that he was born in Sicily and raised in Brooklyn and now lives in South Carolina, where oh. he had nightclubs, underground casinos, and a sporting a sports betting ring, which just sounds so boring to so me. So boring. Um, <laughs> he also claimed to be part of New York's infamous Colombo crime family. Okay. Which I'm like, I don't know. I've never sat next to someone in an airport and told them that much about me, but you've never see, ridden first class. You don't know what happens <laughs> there. I've never had a fanny pack full of hundred dollar bills to show off. And well, he was probably showing his badge off and probably stuff. Try and it like, sometime. look at my shiny things. Yeah. Okay, I'll do it. No, he wouldn't flash his badge to a mobster. That's a bad idea. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. Good call. Yeah. I just thought shiny. You no. Know. But no, you're, you're right. Not you're not thinking. Right. That's why no one's ever shown you their not- $100 fanny pack. <laughs> yeah. Or their badge. <laughs> 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 no one's trying to impress me. <laughs> you're lucky. <laughs> the badge didn't happen. True. Oh, yeah. No, I don't want to see that, that ever. No, thank you. Anyway, Jerome told Columbo what he did for work, which, you know, he was like, I'm in promotional gaming. And Columbo was like, mm, I like gaming. He's like, I'm the gambler, too. In, yeah, he was, well, because he's going to Atlantic City to he's go like, gambling. like, look at all these empty alcohol casinos. bottles that I'm going to send back to coach. Look at how many I have. <laughs> <laughs> and he was impressed by the amount of empty bottles he had. Yeah. It's like, that's pretty baller, man. And, Columbo like really liked cheating the system. He said that um, <laughs> one time in Charleston County, Georgia, they passed a law restricting where strip clubs could be operated. Yeah. And so Columbo turned his strip club into a house of worship called <laughs> the Church of Fu- <laughs> the Church of Fuzzy Bunnies. <laughs> and he said. <laughs> He said, I wanted them to read the Bible for two hours every night, and then we'll drink and let the girls dance. That is pretty amazing. 
Yeah, he claimed lie. that God came to him in a dream <laughs> with the idea. <laughs> Dude, that's tax free. He like started yes. a church. That dude's smart. Church of Fuzzy Bunnies. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so uh, by November of ninety five. Jerome had slipped Columbo a game piece for a brand new Dodge Viper. Here's the thing. Um, but instead of... Columbo's yeah. already doing fine. <laughs> Why are you going to give him more? Well, because he knows a lot of people, so he could spread Connected. it out. He could get other people... Yeah, he could get other people to claim the prizes, and he would take a cut, and Jerome would take oh, a cut. Oh, because Jerome wants know? his cut. Okay. Right. That's the whole point. He's not trying to just, like, give money away. He's like, I'll give you this ticket, but you got to give me, like, part of it. Right, right. And the butcher double-crossed him. Right. So he was like, no more butcher. We got to go hardcore like, I got to find someone who's going to send someone around to, like, break knees if they don't pay up. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So he's like, here's a ticket for a Dodge Viper. Um, but instead of the sports car, he took the money because I guess you could either take, like, the equivalent of the yeah, money Columbo's or the sports car. Yeah, not going to drive a Dodge Viper. Well... Because I don't know if you know what a Dodge Viper looks like, no, but like the the seating area is very small, <laughs> and his fit. wife Robin, <laughs> yeah, Robin said he was a big guy, a Viper. No. <laughs> <laughs> also, I feel like he'd drive like a classier car. You know, I feel like a Dodge yeah. Viper is like sporty. Look at me, whereas he's probably driving like an Alfa Romeo or something cool. <laughs> you know? Way to name drop. Thanks. Is that a nice car? <laughs> As I was saying it, I was like, maybe this isn't a nice car. I don't know. It's an Italian car. It's not a Fiat. I don't. Fiats are like affordable. We know everything about sports and a cars. A Bugatti. It's not like he, he'd probably drive a Bugatti. Ooh, yeah, definitely a Bugatti. Yeah. That's so fun to say. I know. I don't know if he'd fit in one of those though either. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe small. He's kind of a big dude. Anyway. So by now, Columbo was traveling with friends from Atlanta to Boston, where they would, quote unquote, win one of the one million dollar prizes, thanks to stolen ticket from Jerome. Okay, one time win in Boston, right? Because Boston's pretty small. I mean, yeah, uh, from, well, yes, in this story, they only claimed one ticket in Boston. There you go. Um, And Columbo eventually introduced Robin, his wife, to Jerome, who took to calling him Uncle Jerry. (laughs) His wife? <laughs> yeah, he called J- Jerome Uncle Jerry. Is she like and way younger than them? That's so gross. I'm, I don't know. I think it was just like a... I don't like it, but go ahead. Uh, I don't know. Like, you know, a mobster name, Uncle Jerry. <laughs> I don't like it. Okay. Well, I'm only going to call him Uncle Jerry a few more times. <laughs> 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 so she was like oh uncle jerry you know who would like to win money my my father william fisher so he was like okay so he gave william fisher a one million dollar ticket and fisher fisher traveled from his home in jacksonville florida to litchfield new hampshire to claim his prize and then robin's brother-in-law in virginia was like i want in on that so he got a million dollar ticket wow so two members of her family won a million dollars each, and that's not suspicious? <laughs> yep. And like I said, every winner would send a kickback in cash to the Columbos, who would then give uh, Jerome his cut. Yeah. Um, in 1997, Robin introduced Columbo to her friend Gloria Brown, who was 37 at the time, at an Applebee's in Jacksonville. Ew. Brown said later, 
He asked how much money I could come up with in order to be eligible. A few weeks later, on the side of Interstate 95, Brown handed Columbo $40,000 in cash. He showed her a tiny bottle containing the $1 million game piece. And then Brown traveled to South Carolina to find her prize. Okay. Because too many recent winners now lived in Jacksonville. <laughs> okay, couple of things. I don't know much about Jacksonville, but what I do know, it's kind of not the nicest place in Florida. So they're meeting at Applebee's, which is probably like, you know, higher end there. And, like five-star restaurant. Right. And they're having like multiple million-dollar winners in Jacksonville. <laughs> and this woman paid $40,000 to win a million dollars. Yeah, Columbo would make people like pay money up front, like get their cut, and then okay. give them the ticket. Okay. So then they could well, claim the prize, business. and then they could keep whatever. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's what the He's guy not just going to give her a ticket and yeah. hope that... Right. Exactly. Right, right. They're learning. Okay. <laughs> so it costs $40,000 to win a million dollars. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's not bad. Okay. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. So Brown said it was so secretive. She recalled that Columbo and a cousin of his drove her down to a, to a McDonald's and parked a safe distance away. They coached her what to tell McDonald's staff. But mm-hmm. doubt suddenly consumed her. I just had to tell, you know, outright <gasps> lies, she realized. Yeah. And so so she thought about running. <laughs> she's like, do I, do I lose it all or do I keep going? But she did the deed. She sucked it up. And afterwards, she found the two guys in the car who were, like, really nervous because it took her so long oh, to finally yeah. get the nerve to go up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then... The Columbo and his cousin helped her fill out the prize form. How nice. Writing her name along with her cousin's name or her cousin's South Carolina address so that it was like, oh, she lives there. Uh-huh. And even to make it appear that she lived with her cousin, she recorded the outgoing message on the answering machine <laughs> for her cousin's house. <laughs> She's like, yeah, it's me. I live here. I've been here for years. <laughs> yeah. I for yeah. sure live here. So leave us a message. <laughs> Remember leave me. Leave me a message for me. <laughs> my sister lives here too. Yeah. <laughs> or my cousin or whoever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so she later told reporters this long-winded story oh about God. finding the ticket while cleaning out her car. <laughs> uh, no. Which like, what? No. <laughs> Uh-uh. She's like, yes, my car with South Carolina license plates. For sure. It's here. I live here. <laughs> they say I live here. I'm from here. I live here. <laughs> totally live here. Remember how I live here? And she's like rambling on and on because she's like all nervous about it. She's like, well, you know, I uh, I, uh, I just found it in my car. My car's from here. I'm from here. Yeah. Did I say I'm from here? I live here. I you live know, here. I, I live here. I go car. to this McDonald's I it every day. McDonald's here. I go here every day. <laughs> Sometimes I just drink my McDonald's soda and then throw the the garbage in the back and I don't even look because I buy it so often. I just often. like keep all my I McDonald's garbage in the back just in case. <laughs> I like go through my tickets or my Monopoly cards like once a week. So so that's the truth. That's the real truth. Here it is. That's the truth. So, totally believable. <laughs> Do you hear my outgoing answering machine? Yeah. Do you want to hear here. it again? <laughs> <laughs> totally live here. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God. Well, yeah, because they're probably aren't aren't they like interviewing everyone who wins? Probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they got to investigate. Wow. So, okay. 
Well, um, not very well, no. obviously. Just if to a certain point, make sure the ticket. Okay. Well, they they make sure the ticket's legit. They don't think that Uncle Jerry's stealing. He's like the one that created the security <laughs> God, system. God, not Uncle Jerry. No, <laughs> never Uncle Jerry. And they're never asking to see receipts. <laughs> Robin eventually said that Uncle Jerry's money helped fund some of the Colombo family businesses. So yeah, no shit, Robin. Funneling a lot of stuff. Uncle Jerry's part of the family. You call him Spe- Uncle Jerry. Speaking of family businesses, Humblebee Herbal is a small family-run business that makes small batch products, so you know each product was made with care and attention to detail. Unlike those mass-produced products that are out there. So support small businesses who actually care about the environment, like Humblebee Herbal, who uses environmentally friendly and conscious products with virtually zero waste. Humblebeeherbal.com. Check it out. Anyway, so Uncle Jerry. It's not a small family crime business. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Jerry, or Jerome... Would... You really were going to use it, like, multiple times. <laughs> I know how much you love it. <laughs> okay. He would send other opportunities to the Colombo family when he would come across them. Because, like, remember, his company does marketing like what? for... what? Well, his company does marketing for other companies, too. Like, do you remember when M&M's had a contest to find the imposter M&M, which was a gray M&M? Yeah. Well... They were part of that. And he happened to get his hands on a few imposter M&Ms. What would you win? Wouldn't you win like a lifetime supply of M&Ms? Are you no, money? money. Yes, money. Whoa. So he gave one to Columbo. This is so, okay. Yeah, the, the contest was to win a million bucks. <gasps> For a gray M&M? Yep. yep. Fuck. Mm-hmm. And I bet they were the plain M&Ms because no one's going to buy those. Oh, so yeah. The M&Ms. They are the plain M&M's, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow during all of this, Uncle Jerry, Jerome, he got remarried and, uh, but like, obviously he didn't tell her about his scheme, but they just threw that in there that he was remarried. (laughs) They just like keep throwing it in. Oh, he's married. He's married again. Okay, great. By the way, he's married. Don't worry about him. He's married. So, uh, by now, he had given his stepbrother, Marvin Braun, three more game pieces, including (gasps) one for $1 million. Braun, who owned a chain of maternity clothing stores, claimed that he didn't need the money and that he he said, I dropped the tickets into Salvation Army tins. He said, Jerry would give me a million dollar ticket. I would give it away. I flushed million dollar tickets down toilets. What the... (laughs) fuck what the fuck that is life-changing money for someone and yep. this dude just giving it to his brother who doesn't even give a fuck yeah he's like destroying but his them. brother's donating it like he's just to like the toilet this, what the fuck well salvation army or whatever not that that's like a really good cause because salvation army is super corrupt anyway listen if you can drop your children off <laughs> at the salvation army it is a good cause <laughs> Hey, different different years, okay? <laughs> she was dropping her children off in, like, the 20s or the 40s or something. Uh-huh. We're talking, like, recently. Wow. I just, like, it's just, like, okay, I understand, like, steal, <laughs> steal some money from a big corporation, 
Give it to people who fucking need it. Don't just like try and impress your friends and your family who's just like, I don't fucking want this. Like think of all the people who could have won it and it could have been something amazing for them. Like think of the people who can only afford McDonald's and if they won a million dollars. You know, like this is so fucked up. So what you're saying is Robin Hood that shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Steal from the rich and give to the poor. Yeah. Don't give to like the fucking rich fuckers. Like don't give a fuck. I mean, like, like you said, the brother, like, whatever, he gave it to what he thought was a good cause, but mm-hmm. then he also, like, got rid of a bunch of them. Well, because he's probably like, this is kind of suspicious. It's that, super like, suspicious. All these- <laughs> Why are you giving him yeah. three? Why are you giving him more I than don't know. one? <laughs> Such bullshit. He's not smart. He's, like, not smart. No, never said he was smart. <laughs> By 1998, Jerome's nephew, Mark Schwartz, noticed they all have different last names. I do notice, but I don't think it's that hard to track family trees. <laughs> I don't think it's that hard. He had taken two hundred thousand or a two hundred thousand dollar game piece after a meeting in Miami. Jerome said, "I told him that I uh, I told him what I wanted, and the rest was his." He said, "I wanted forty five thousand dollars." And at Schwartz's wedding that See, year, Columbo Jacob has a better deal. Columbo just wants yeah. forty thousand for a million. <laughs> I would go through yeah, Columbo. you gotta go the way of the mafia family, <laughs> not this dum-dum. <laughs> At Schwartz's wedding, Jerome was discussing the Monopoly game when a du- distant cousin fell into the conversation and was like, I'm down, I want to play. Mm-hmm. So Uncle Jerry's family tree was sprouting money. <laughs> oh, what? <ew. laughs> Yeah, just getting those blown McDonald's fries and diddling them all over the place. That's right. (laughs) And by the end of 1998, Jerome had become rich Uncle Pennybags. Isn't it money bags? Well, they put Pennybags in this article. I think his name is Pennybags. The Monopoly guy? Uh, Yeah. Oh, okay. Who wants bags of pennies, but okay. (laughs) Good point. <laughs> and I learned that because you decided to trade me all your pennies for all my silvers when we were little for my piggy well, bank. Gold because is worth I thought, more than silver. Well, first of all, they're copper. Copper is worth a lot. But <laughs> a child I wasn't aware they're gold. until I emptied out my piggy bank and you emptied out your piggy bank and we're sitting next to each other counting our money. And I only had like so many cents and you had like dollars. And I was like, I have more money than you. This pile is way bigger than yours. And yet I have less money than you. Ah, the stupidity of children. <laughs> You know what? I don't remember that at all. You're making that See, up. See, I don't want bags of pennies. I learned the hard way. <laughs> well, and you know what? I was probably doing that just to teach you a good life lesson. So you're welcome. That I was never going to be able to afford my bike. <laughs> that I saved up for for years. <laughs> well, anyway. So... During this time, he was going around the United States, flying around, stealing big ticket game pieces left and right, acquiring new properties. Was anyone else winning? (laughs) Were other people winning that, like, weren't related to him? Not really. Okay, that's so fucking obvious. You know what? Maybe here and there he wouldn't take all of them, but, like... Well, I'm wondering, like, how many million-dollar game pieces were there a year? Probably not that many, right? They're not trying to give away that much money. No, no. I think there were, like, just, like, maybe, I don't know, one to five. I don't know. 
But but the thing is, the game was bi-yearly, bi-annually. Okay. So it was twice a year. Right. You could win a million dollars. So I don't, but I don't know how many and like how many they distributed to different places in the world or what. So obviously, think of nowhere else is getting it. Who are playing, <laughs> and there's yeah. not a chance yep. they're gonna they're gonna win. There's like just not a chance. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So un- Uncle Uncle Jerry is feeling real good about himself, and he had mafia friends and was getting rich. And sometimes he would go by the name Geraldo Constantino to make himself sound more like mafia. <laughs> Geraldo. Well, maybe Geraldo. You pronounce it the G be, in Italian? Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard G. G- Geral- Geraldo Constantino. Okay. Constantino? So. <laughs> He's like Columbo Constantino. Okay. Yeah. 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 Good Sounds close. good. It's a strong name. So he was selling winning tickets to the highest bidders in some of the so- of his social circles. Oh, my God. And, you know, buying himself properties and lots of cars. Like, his neighbor across the street mm-hmm. was interviewed at one point and was like, I always joked with him about, like, hey, where are you hiding all those winning tickets? Because it seemed like every week he had a new car in his driveway. It's so obvious. <laughs> So, tragically, at one point, Columbo and Robin got in a car accident, and Columbo was hospitalized, and eventually he died due to his injuries. (gasps) Whoa. So, you know, Jerome's like, well, fuck, I need to find a replacement Columbo, because I got to funnel my money through someone else. Wow. Cliffhanger, cliffhanger, cliffhanger. Time for a cliffhanger. Okay, so I'm going to tell my story now. After that after cliffhanger. Your cliffhanger. <laughs> okay, so I got my information from the New Haven Register, which was an article written by Randall Beach. I got something from the New York Times by someone mm. named Nicole Simmons and from bustle.com. Okay. So here we go. All right, tell me. Maybe I should have restructured this differently. Okay, let's see. Conchetta (laughs) Penny Sarah, Uh which I'm going to call her Penny because that's what she would go by, was driving her father's car, which Mm -hmm. was a 1971 blue Buick Electra. I'm going to pretend that I know cars and I'm going to be like, whoa, damn, (laughs) sick ride. It was. It was really fancy, super new, super desirable. Wait, I kind of want to look up what it looks car. like. What was I it called? I do too, actually. A Chevy. It's a, what? No, no. <laughs> what? It. No. I I'm totally said it listening to ago. everything you say. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 1971 Buick Electra. Oh. Was it nice? Oh, it's like one of those classic muscle cars. Yeah. Looks very dope. boxy. Nice. Nice. All right. So, super cool car, mm-hmm. obviously. Yes. Obviously, we knew that. We didn't have to look up pictures just now. <laughs> so, she she parks it on the ninth level of the garage just after 12:42 p.m. Sorry, but with this, do you know what, what this garage was too? I think it's like a downtown parking garage. Oh, okay. So you like just park like it there and then purpose. you go shopping. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just like a regular public garage. Downtown parking garage. Okay. Yeah. So she can go like shopping, run errands, do whatever she wants. Right. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Penny. 
Okay, Under her up. yearbook photo for mm-hmm. Wilbur Cross High School, class of 1971, mm-hmm. she said this about herself. She called herself a laughing heart and a merry spirit. Oh, Super sweet. Uh, so she she was like very mature for her age. Everyone said, and mm. she began. She was engaged for us for some time to a man named Philip DiLieto. And apparently he was attractive, but also seven years older than she was. And she was how old? At the... Somewhere between like high school and 21. Okay. When so they she's met. young. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, when they like started dating and all that. Mm, that age he... difference while you're like just getting out of high school is never a good thing. Yeah. That's a pretty big gap. No matter so... how mature you think you are. <laughs> Right, or everyone else thinks you are. Mm. He was distantly related to New Haven's chief of police. Sorry, because I'm going to say it's not about you being mature. It's about that other person that's older than you not being mature. That's exactly what it's about. Anyway, he was related to a police chief. That's yeah, terrible. Uh-huh. Yeah, sketchy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Named Biagio or Ben... Giulietto. A lot of these people have like very Italian names. I yeah. wonder if Connecticut has like a very Italian population. Maybe. Another thing that we know nothing about. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about New Haven at all. Nope. So they they got into fights pretty often. So then she broke off mm. the engagement. She wasn't about it. She's like, fuck this. This is not what her. love is. And I agree. Get out of that. Yeah. So. This time, she's 21 years old, and she's a dental hygienist. Okay. So she's, like, just beginning her life. So she's got, yeah. like, a pretty decent job. Okay. Uh-huh. She's got a great job for someone so young. Yeah. I cannot imagine starting a career at 21. So her dad, Mr. John Sarah, and mm-hmm. his wife, Pauline, had had a daughter named Rosemary, and when Mrs. Sarah died of cancer in 1963, Penny oh, took charge so of like the before household. Before she even graduated high school. Before she was even in high school. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Like eight years before she was 18. So when mm-hmm. she was like 10. What? Mm. That's wow. insane. Oof. If I did that math right, she's like 10 or 11. And at this time, she takes charge of like the shopping, like decorating, cooking. Just like all the she, things that ugh, that her that mom would do, Pauline used to do, ugh. taking care of her little sister. So John said that Rosemary was a hundred percent dependent on Penny, mm. and everyone else said that he was too. Mm. They just like relied on her for. She everything. was like the only one that held it together when the mom passed away. Ugh. Yeah, basically, and I mean, talk about being mature and responsible before yeah. you're ready. It's take- like, oh well, now you have a daughter, basically, and yep. you got to take care of this whole household. Duh. But I guess I mean, she described herself as like a really happy person, and you know, she just kind of made it work. She's like a strong, okay, strong person. So Penny had borrowed her dad's car two weeks earlier to go to Florida. She like went road tripping and she had a knife in the car because she was like cutting up cheese and bread and eating road snacks. Road snacks. Doing her thing. And so, yeah, so she had the, they like speculated that she had a knife in the car and they also said that she would have done anything to protect her father's car. Well, it's probably like their one means of, you know, her doing all the errands and stuff. And he probably like 
was yeah it's probably know, her it's a, way to get around and, and it's a new car it's probably like their family like prized possession yeah super cool new car I remember, like, our parents getting a new car, like, one time, and then if I was, like, terrified that I was going to be the one that dented it first. <laughs> so scary. Yeah, it's terrifying. You don't want to be the one doing that. Well, and now Dad has this truck that came with dents, so no uh, worries there. He's very proud of his pre-dented <laughs> he truck. He is proud. It's like, mm-hmm. I, think the came, I think it got a new dent. Look at this. We're like, hey, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I don't give Good a fuck. Who came dented? <laughs> I mean, that would take like a huge load off if you got yeah. a pre-dented You're car. not going to be the, free, the first one to scratch it or dent it. It's already fucked. That's but right. the engine works. That's all that matters. Yeah, well, that's right. And mm-hmm. it's easy to fix. Mm-hmm. So... Back to this day. It's the early afternoon of July 16th, 1973 in the Temple Street garage. Mm -hmm. So she like parked it earlier and then she like did some shopping or whatever she was doing downtown. And then she goes back to get her father's car. And then while she's there in the garage, at some point she's chased down. (gasps) What? And stabbed to death in the 10th floor stairwell wait wait so (laughs) you're like she's like (laughs) just going back to her car or leaving her car one of the two and then all of a sudden she's going back to the car do we know i mean we don't know where she went she just did some errands or something i mean they didn't find any like bags of groceries anywhere you know what actually i don't know i don't know if she just parked it and then was chased. Everything I read made it seem like she was going back to get the car. Yeah. So I don't know like where she had gone, but I I really don't know. Hmm. I guess it would be hard for them to tell. Yeah. So so yeah, out of know. so out of nowhere that we think that we know so far, she's just randomly attacked in a stairwell yeah. going back to her car. Yeah. Yeah. Or go- or coming yes. from her car. Oh, okay. I mean, everything said that she was going to get the car, so I think uh-huh. that she had gone somewhere in town. I don't know, but shows the research I did. So uh-huh. <laughs> they did find evidence in the parking garage. They found a fingerprint on a tissue box behind the driver's seat on the floor, and they also mm. found a handkerchief on mm. the ground near the car. Hmm. Whenever I think of tissue boxes in cars, I think of Aunt Carol's car. Because <laughs> she always has a tissue box in her car. Hmm. I'm just confused why there would be a tissue box and a hanky. It's, you know, one or the other. Right. I know that you've chosen the hanky route. I have chosen the hanky life, and I will say much more superior to What? Call me dumb, but I just realized that a handkerchief is called a hand kerchief. Dumb. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't realize that either. Oh my god! No wonder it wanted to correct me every time I put handkerchief. Hank. (laughs) Yes, I was like, "Who the fuck is Hank, and why does he need a kerchief?" No, it's a hand kerchief that you can. Okay, but what's a kerchief? It's, What's a, like, larger okay, than hand kerchief? look, you know, when you, a like, blow kerchief? your nose or you sneeze and you say, kerchief. 
then it's like your then hand, you put a chip in, your hand. in your hand, but it protects yeah. you. It's like a yeah. hand condom for your snot, if you will. Okay. But okay. with the cotton, what happens is yeah. it dries up fast so you don't have yeah. like wet hand kerchief. It yeah. uh, it absorbs and then dries up and it's a reusable. Okay, sneak. we don't need to hear about all your... <laughs> We're not sponsored by any handkerchief company. Speaking Calm of down. sponsors, you should check yeah, out... speaking of sponsors. Humblebee Herbal. They have a vapor rub. Oh. Which is all natural. Yeah, that's it's true. Winter's coming up. They have a lot of good winter supplies. They've got the vapor rub so you can breathe better and clearer. And they have... They also have a foot salve that kind of has that like minty smell too. Mm. So you put it on the bottom of your feet at night and then you can like open up your airways or wind passages, airways, (laughs) whatever. Wind holes. Oh no. They also have a super cute happy feet box that Mm. has a foot soak and a salve and little socks you put on at night so your feet are like not crusty and gross and winterized. Oh winterized. They're like soft and wonderful. Nice. Check them out. Check out Humblebee Herbal and use code CRIMINY for 20% off your first order. CRIMINY20. What did I say? CRIMINY. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Check them out. HumblebeeHerbal.com. Okay, so on the hand kerchief, (laughs) I have to change the way I say that now. On the hand kerchief, they found Penny's blood. It sounds so weird when you say it like that, though. It makes more sense to me, so I'm going to keep saying it like that. (laughs) Okay, well, they found Penny's blood. And I feel like you, as a handkerchief user, should also pronounce it correctly. I am a handkerchief man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what? The other kerchief, it's either a handkerchief or a neckerchief. Neckerchief, yeah, you could have a neckerchief. Yeah. Yeah. What about like a head kerchief? What about okay, a foot, done. foot kerchief? I was going to say foot kerchief. <laughs> We're going the same place. Okay. This is serious though. Oh. So they found her blood and they found DNA from an unknown person. So probably the person who hmm. attacked her. And they were like, oh, okay. So if... So he's using his maybe his own kerchief to like wipe away some Right, cuz obviously blood or she something. chose tissues. Obviously, it was in her car. And he must have chosen hand. And then he like grabbed the ones in the in the car and was like, "What an inferior yeah. product to my handkerchief." Yeah. That's right. Pish posh and he, and he became tossed enraged it. Yes. over the handkerchief being brushed aside. You can never brush aside <laughs> a handkerchief. Okay. Once you've gone handkerchief, you can never go back. Oh, I know. I've heard all about it. Okay, back to back to this horrible story. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. So yeah, so there they didn't find any knives at the scene. They didn't even find one in the car, and they knew that Penny had had one in the car. So they figured that she had been stabbed with her own knife, and then the person took it with them. You know, that's the problem. I've heard statistically, if you have a knife and you use it in a fight, you're the one most likely to get injured from it. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Pepper spray, everyone. Get pepper spray. (laughs) Just, you know, like we talked about last time, hold in your period blood and then spray it out. (laughs) That's the best defense. (laughs) 
but that only happens once a month. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Well, the rest of the month, you have to stay indoors. In That's your right. house. Stay inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, speaking of, we watched Borat 2 last oh, night. Oh, my God. That movie is amazing. <laughs> okay. That just made me think of that. Okay. So, they thought that someone was trying to steal the car and that Penny probably tried to defend herself and stabbed the perpetrator and then that's how his blood got on the handkerchief. Right. So, he's probably, like, putting it to his wound or whatever. Yeah. He probably, like, wrapped up his wound with it and then chased after her and then got, like, the blood from the knife. Maybe yeah. like her blood her. onto it. Yeah. Assuming okay, that so like they... his... yeah. yeah. I was just gonna say assuming that he had the handkerchief like on his whatever was bleeding, assuming his arm or something, if he's stabbing her, then he's gonna get blood sprayed back on on that arm or whatever, on the hanky. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that's on the hand key, sorry. Yeah, the hand key. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering why it kept trying to have like the little red line under it. And I was like, what's wrong with how I spelled it? Well, now I know. <laughs> oh, that's like when I discovered that, uh, you know, a, a parasol is actually mm-hmm. parasol for <gasps> the sun. Yes. No. Oh, what? Yes. Oh, my God. The things you learn. God, we are geniuses. Parasol. Of course. That makes so much sense. Of course. (laughs) Wow. We are learning and growing. And wow. Life is fascinating. Uh, Becoming brighter stars every day. (laughs) Shining brighter every day. That's so cute. Love it. So cute. Okay, so they figured mm-hmm. someone tried to steal the car, right. and then she, like, fought them off, and they got mad and chased her, and she ran into a stairwell. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason mm-hmm. why they thought this was because two knee... Two... Two knee? Two knee teagers, two teenagers <laughs> saw the chase happen. Whoa. They, like, watched her run, and some guy chased her, but they thought that she had escaped. They're so just like they two like stoners in the area, Probably. like whoa, dude, look at that! That yeah. woman's being chased, gnarly. Well, on our way. They're like, oh, looks like what? she got away. We can leave now. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, not like I wouldn't have gotten involved. Well, yeah, the whole like happened. Well, the Plus, whole bystander like, effect in this town. Yeah, and the, that's like true. you just assume like someone else is going to help, or like you don't want to get involved in other people's business because they might get mad at you for trying to get involved in their like domestic dispute or whatever. Right, and there's also that reluctance to call the police because you're like, I don't want to waste their time. Like, yeah, this what has if to be it's not serious? I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. What if you know? Yeah, what if it's not, like, a serious chase? What if it's, like, a playful thing or it looks Plus, like she that, got away so everything's fine? And in that time, in thing. the 70s, there's no cell phone, so they would have to, like, physically go find a place with a phone to call. Yeah, and what are they? And what are they going to say? Like, oh, I just saw someone being chased, but I don't know. In a parking garage. But I mean, they should have, but yeah, I could see where you could talk yourself out of it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
So she had gone up a stairway and this stairway went nowhere. What? So she was basically cornered and How w- she... Why would there be a stair going up to... Why wouldn't there be a... Maybe there was like a roof door that was locked? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Ugh. Maybe. Or maybe... Well, the stairwell would go down, but I think that she like headed... She might have been on like, yeah, on the top floor. So on the fourth or fifth step, she was stabbed just once in her heart. Hmm. Just once. Then her body was left crumpled in the fetal position in a stairwell, which is really awful. That's so then, kind of surprising that, like, I don't know, like, unless you were an assassin, like, just yeah. one step, like, you're so yeah. upset that you're chasing someone, and then, but you stab them just once, like, and conveniently in the heart. Right. And also, like, Unless you stab someone once and they die right away. Yeah. Like, wouldn't you be kind of afraid that they'll recover or, you know, I don't. Yeah, and then they can recognize you and. Or like you, you stab them once and you're like, I, okay, I chased them all this way and now I stab someone. I'm going to leave now. Like, I don't understand that at all. Yeah. Well, I don't understand stabbing someone. Yeah, I don't understand this whole thing, but but you would no. think, I don't know. Yeah, that you would want to make yeah. sure the person was dead if that was your goal or yeah or maybe yeah it, like what was your goal in this case you maybe know? it wasn't like you you were like threatening you, like, came them. To your senses after you like stabbed someone they fell and you're like oh shit i gotta get out of here that or maybe like if she's up on the steps higher than him and or whoever the person that stabbed her was and i don't know like maybe she fell <laughs> she fell onto the knife <laughs> Or, uh, or they were I like mean, struggling, and they there was like they slipped or something. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. It just yeah doesn't sound right. Okay, continue. No. So then they surmised that the murderer got into her car uh-huh. and then drove around. But then they thought that he got confused about how to get out of the garage, which was like a really common occurrence in this parking garage you know for what some i'm reason. i'm thinking that's that's a yeah. strategy to make more money in the parking garage they're charging by the minute <laughs> oh yeah and it takes you longer oh, to get out yeah. of the garage and you're like man i've been driving around here for a fucking hour and they're like well that's an hour you gotta pay for yeah. and you're like god damn it yeah it's the only thing i can think of why you would have such a horrible layout <laughs> well some parking garages are really confusing i've gone down ones where i'm like oh i can only go up now like what the fuck i need to go down <laughs> Yeah, huh. Yeah. So anyway, that was like a really common thing, apparently, because probably, you know, to get more money out of people, that's really clever. And so to this day, (laughs) there are hundreds of people still trying to get out of that lot. Still stuck in there. And they're owing like thousands of dollars (laughs) at this point. (laughs) They're like, I'll give you anything to get out of this fucking thing. (laughs) You need to get out of here. Maybe that's like a very specific type of like architecture degree is parking Mm. garage architecture. And you, like, do the M.C. Escher kind of, Yeah, like... so you never get out. <laughs> <laughs> You're, like, all of a sudden upside down. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I was just on the bottom of this floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Okay, so he gets in this car. He gets confused. And then he abandoned the car on the seventh floor. So remember, she parked it on the ninth floor. He gets to the seventh floor. But then he, like, left it there with some evidence and then he got in his own car 
then drove down to the exit. So all of a sudden he's not confused and can find the exit. And then- Well, you know how sometimes it's different when you're driving a new car that you're not familiar with, you might get lost or something. (laughs) I don't know. Sure, you don't have trouble driving the car, but you get lost. (laughs) Like, man, this windshield is so different from mine. So I don't know different. Where the fuck I, am. <laughs> I don't know. And then, so then he gets down to the little like kiosk thing where you have to pay your oh. thousands of dollars because you've been in there for three years. <laughs> and he hands the gate dude a bloody ticket. <gasps> Just casually, then, like, mm, uh, here you go. Well, I mean, if you say you lost your ticket, you owe, like, a lot of money, right? you got to oh, give them the ticket. shit. So then the attendant wipes the blood off the ticket so we can see how much he should charge the guy. So it's a pretty usual occurrence to have bloody tickets then, or, uh... Can you imagine just being like, oh, let me just wipe this off? Like, oh, I can't really make that out. I can't quite make that out. Let me get my uh-huh. handkerchief and wipe off the blood. Yeah. Well, I'm imagining because it's like the 70s. So I'm imagining he's just using like his hand he's without like, like a glove like licking, or anything. Like licking his he's finger just, yeah. and smearing. <laughs> just like smudging it. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm picturing. Like trying to make like, out oh, there's the, so much blood right here. Yeah, I can't see. Trying like, to make out the minute say, like, of the time yeah. you came into the garage. Like, is that a nine or an eight? Like, I can't see. Mm, totally normal. All right. Have a good day, sir. Well, it was so normal that he didn't even write down this person's license plate. Once again, the whole bystander effect where uh, you're like, uh, I could be making this like, all oh, up in my head. It could be the blood like, that you've just like no, rubbed off with your no, thumb. No. <laughs> like, obviously, there's blood, but maybe, you know, he the guy was just trimming his fingernails in the car and took off a bit too much, nipped a, f- uh. a finger top off and was just bleeding and he's like so, no no i know i'm bleeding i'm headed to the hospital right now don't worry yeah, about totally it. normal if we could just speed this up this process all the time and get me out of this garage <laughs> it's a really bad hangnail the sometimes house. they just don't stop bleeding <laughs> you ever get one of those those are yeah, not terrible <laughs> so so they're so obviously this person's bleeding so they left they left a blood trail through the levels of the garage, Uh-oh. and then they also left the tissue box and the handkerchief. Uh, uh, so hmm. when police the got fuck there, is the motive? They, right. So when police got there, well, stealing the car. So we'll they took a bunch of pictures. I know. <laughs> they took a bunch of. He couldn't figure out the windshield. Okay, he couldn't. <laughs> it's really hard. Well, th- to be fair, maybe that car was bigger than his car, and he c- couldn't like spatially it figure like out. A boat. Yeah, he couldn't spatially figure out like how much he needed to turn the wheel to turn the boat. I was gonna say, yeah, t- uh, turn radius is like very different in lots of cars, so it could have been really hard to get mm-hmm. out of that parking garage but i'm thinking that parking garage was designed for the giant cars because that's like they were all giant yeah Yeah, they're all fucking huge (laughs) so okay so they took a bunch of pictures and they preserved the pictures of the crime scene so at this time forensics is not a thing uh what they do have are fingerprints and that's basically it So if you find a fingerprint at the scene, you are golden. That's, like, all you have. But they did take, you know, evidence that they thought maybe one day this will apply. So they did a good job. They were really responsible. Hmm. 
So on July 16th, 1973, at 4.30 p.m., John Sarah learned that his daughter had been murdered. Ugh. Not only his daughter, but, like, the other adult in his household that he, like, relied on. The one keeping it together. Yeah, he was in absolute shock and completely devastated. Of course. Ugh. So John sued the garage for negligence. And after negotiations with the owner's lawyers, he got $200,000. The garage owners did employ two security guards. But at the time that his daughter was murdered, both were across the street having coffee. Uh, um, okay. I mean, I know there's like laws that you got to be able to take your breaks but uh at different times maybe your security they're like security they're like nothing ever happens around here you want to go grab a cup yeah Yeah, let's go grab a cup they probably did that like every day and the one day that like of course the one day that something horrible Uh, happens during their 15 minute coffee break interesting that's suspicious that is kind of suspicious isn't it well Mm -hmm. also like I mean, you'd and think that if you were taking a coffee break, you'd take a coffee break, like, right by the garage. You could, like, see what's happening. Or you'd get coffee for your friend and you go, like, drink it on one of the levels. I don't know. Why hmm. are you both, like, gone taking a fucking coffee break at the same time? And her ex-fiance's uncle was a police or a sheriff yeah, or something? chief of police. Chief of police. Chief of police. And I'm just going to say, I don't know if it's just my store, but the security guys at my store are like best friends with the police weird yeah i feel like a lot or i don't okay i feel like when you hear about like stories of murder and it is someone who's like impersonating police Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of times it's like a security guard who wanted to be a police officer but like couldn't be and then they but they not that all security got the security no no but it's a it's a common trope where they yeah, they still like, want the power, so they feel like, oh, right. I'll just get another, like I'll still get the uniform and get to like, be the, uh, the guardian or whatever their yeah whatever their power trip is, and then, yeah, I don't know, that's kind yeah, of suspicious to know. me. Mm-hmm. That one security guard at the uh, cannabis club, I don't know what it is now, the weed store, because it's not like medical anymore, but the one here, it's like that dude is like over seven feet tall. He's like the nicest guy ever, but he's so fucking tall. It's unreal. It's so crazy. He has to like bend down to like open. It's so crazy. I'm just like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's crazy. Damn. Okay. So at the time of the murder, the police had more than 50 detectives working on the case during the first month. Wow. So they are doing everything they can. Okay. It's like a lot of detectives, and mm-hmm. they were analyzing hundreds of thousands of fingerprints, probably like looking by hand, you know, and all with their the magnifying convicts glass. or whatever they had, felt like all. whoever. Yeah, Shit. yeah. And they were interviewing witnesses, and they had a file that grew to more than two feet in length. Holy shit. They're so collecting so much to the shit. Brim. Yeah. Yeah. There's okay, like stacking so more and more. Have all paper. this evidence, it should be a pretty op- open shut case. So they looked at Di Lieto, her former fiance. Good. 
He was under police scrutiny because obviously he was like uh-huh. a former partner and, you know, it's usually yep. Yep. those ones. But he had a really strong alibi and his DNA and fingerprints didn't match. So he was cleared. I mean, doesn't mean he didn't hire someone like his uncle. His distant relative, the chief of police? Yeah. I I don't know. No, I guess not. But he, on a side note, he died in 2008. So then they looked at a man named Anthony Galino. He was a former high school classmate. And the police questioned him in 1975. In 1984, he was charged with Penny's murder. What? So... (laughs) Unfortunately for him, he yeah. had met her a couple times, and his wife, who he had beaten oh. uh, on multiple occasions, charming. She, t- yeah, she told police that he allegedly told her, "I will do to you what I did to Penny Sarah." Ooh, that's telling. He obviously denied saying this. Obviously. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So the police began questioning him and following him in 1981. And then on July 3rd, 1984, they finally pulled him over on Columbus Avenue, handcuffed him, and charged him with Penny's murder. So they were investigating this guy for three years. I wonder what else they had on him other than, like, he was a woman-hating wife beater and... uh, And had known her. And he knew her. Well, they start. They questioned him in '75, and right. the murder happened two years earlier. So maybe at that point they were just like asked, they were like interviewing everyone who knew her. Well, yeah, I would assume that would be a big step because usually people are murdered by people they know. Right. Right, and I don't know how. I should have looked up New Haven. I don't know how big it is or like. Well, what? I mean, I don't know. Connecticut is like a speck on the map, right? It's very right? small. It's very small. Very, very small. Itty bitty state. So. But how big is San Francisco on a map? And you can pack a shit ton of people on that little island. Well, it's not exactly an know. island. It's more of a peninsula if we're getting into oh, semantics. A peninsula. Peninsula. Well, then how come you always have to go through bridges to get there? Because if you're going from the east, there's the bay. And if you're going from... The north, there's like the opening of the bay, but if you come from the south, you can drive right up. There's no bridge. Hmm. Interesting. Uh huh. You learn something new every day. I am learning so much today. A parasol. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. I've lived in California my whole life. That's (laughs) totally fine. Mm hmm. Okay. I usually go into San Francisco like through a bridge. (laughs) I don't often come from the South Bay, okay? No, not often. (laughs) I do know that when you do come from the South Bay, if you go through San Francisco, you don't have to pay tolls. I do know that. Right. So I should have known, but I wasn't paying attention, clearly. (laughs) Okay. I was too stressed out by the traffic in San Francisco and people honking at me for no reason. You're driving too slow. (laughs) I hate driving there so much. Okay, so back to Galeno. Mm-hmm. So uh, the police said, so they charged him with murder, and they said that his car 
and license plate resembled those of a man seen leaving the garage immediately after the murder. Mm-hmm. They also said that they believed that the killer slashed his left wrist during the struggle and that Mr. Galino had a scar on his left wrist. And okay. I feel like they said that because it was a left thumbprint on the mm. tissue box. I was going to ask how they knew it was a left hand. And then also... I think that's are how they, they knew. They're getting the description of the car from the... Of du- a car. Of a car from yeah. the ticket taker. I'm not sure. Because... I don't know how you would, I mean, I guess it's a little bit more, you would notice a little bit more if you get a bloody ticket. I don't know how often you get bloody tickets as a... I feel like I would remember everything about that fucking person and that car, personally. You would think, but... I'd like write it down and be like, dear diary, today I had to touch someone's blood and it was traumatizing. That feels like a big day. That feels like a diary day, you know? It feels like a diary day. Not a diarrhea day, yeah. but just a diary day. No, maybe you shit yourself because you're like, what the fuck just happened? It might be no, a diarrhea day. You're right. I touched some blood. Dear diary, I touched gross. some blood and shit myself. Um, yeah, so, because I, I, as we all know, eyewitness statements suck. Well, yeah, and then they're like, oh, the license plate resembled, but then like, like, ha- like was it out of state? But then no, like, yeah, I don't know. Down. And how right. many cars is he seeing a day? Yeah. How many tickets has he taken all fucking day? I mean, if it's like he's a, probably not even looking. He's like taking the ticket, looking at the time, being like, "This is how much you owe." Like yeah, that's what you're doing, you know? Right. You're probably not if, paying that much attention. If it's just a garage in downtown and it's like ten floors, you probably yeah, get a lot of traffic coming huge. in and out. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how reliable his witness statement is. Well, and I don't know. If, I don't know if it was him who gave it. Well, okay. So they. He also told the police that he had type O blood, which was the same type as Just the blood type on the hand. Never offer check. information to the police. <laughs> what? Well, maybe he thought he was being helpful. No, you're never himself. being helpful. You're always just incriminating oh, I yourself. Know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, definitely don't talk to the police no. if you get arrested, for sure. I mean, just but. don't talk to them, period. But, like... If you can avoid it, don't do it. Yeah. So he unless, of course, to report like a man chasing a woman with a knife in a stairwell, like maybe report it. But like, right. Then call the police. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not going to talk to the police. So you're going to talk to a dispatcher. So you're like, right. You know, you're right. Fine. Anonymously right. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for cell phones, they can definitely track you. But whatever. <laughs> OK. Get a burner. Go quick. Get a burner. Get a burner, <laughs> get a burner and then call the police. <laughs> Get a track phone. Go buy your minutes from Walmart with cash. No, Walmart tracks you. Did you know that? No, I don't shop at one Walmart. Of my, yeah, one of my hypnotherapy teachers told me that her daughter went in to Walmart and then she said she said something or she was like buying something at the self-checkout and then the the like she needed help so the person came by to help her and then showed her and like rolled back the tape that showed her walking up to the self-checkout her face on the screen and like videotape of her checking out oh yeah i mean target does that too with like the they track everyone they all, all the fucking cameras. time yeah crazy 
Okay, so good luck getting your track phone without people knowing, but just a straight well, afterwards. Got, what you got to do is you got to give money to a kid <laughs> that's outside and be like, look, oh, you go okay. in, you buy me a track phone, I'll run across the street, buy you a pack of smokes, we're even, right? You know what you do? <laughs> <laughs> look, cigarettes are expensive. Go buy them like a soda or something. <laughs> All right, buy them a soda. I don't know. Okay, back to this. Mm -hmm. Mom's going to be so upset because she's like, I can't even keep track of this story. (laughs) So quick recap. They're after this one guy. Mm -hmm. He's got the car. He's got the license plate. He's got the scar on his left wrist. Mm. He knows her. Mm -hmm. He has O-type blood. So he says, so the trial is about to start in May of 1987. And finally... The I think the defense was like, look, you've got to take his blood. Like, you just got to test it. Like, yeah, you they were like, we have word for it. <laughs> right. They were like, we have other priorities. This guy looks good. We're busy that we'll get to that later. And then finally, they're like, no, you got to do it. So they finally take his blood. He has type A blood. <laughs> Idiot. So all this time he had been under arrest. The Superior Court judge was he like dismissed the charges ironically his name was judge friedman oh oh it's all like freed a man kerchief, but it's like freed man yeah fun samuel friedman so he dismisses the charges galena was free he had been charged with capital murder and the death penalty was a possibility he was pretty traumatized at like for the rest of his life yeah if he didn't actually do it Yeah, he was terrified. He also died in 2008 from cancer. He was 57. Weird. So that's another side. So weird. The two suspects that they had died in 2008. That's really weird. So fucking weird. So the case went cold and unsolved for, I think, like 28 years. No, I hate that. No. I know. Through this time, all these years, new mayors took office, police chiefs retired, and detectives moved on and off the case. Her dad, John, never gave up, and he called all of them all the time. He would go to the police station, he would, like, encourage all the police officers, and he just, like, wanted them to not close the case. Mm. But there's only so much they can do, and it so, John, he he wanted to keep reminding the police, like I said, and he also wanted to keep reminding the public to not stop thinking about the case. So, every year on the anniversary of his daughter's murder, he bought an ad in the New Haven Register, which had a picture of Penny, and then underneath her, so it had her picture and then her name, and underneath that it said, Murdered in Temple Street Garage, downtown New Haven, on July 16th, 1973. In parentheses, it said daytime. And then it said, to date, killer still in New Haven area, exclamation point. Ah, yikes. He offered a reward of $30,000 for any information leading to an arrest. And in all those years, only one tip was offered, but it led nowhere. Usually when people have tip lines, it's like we're inundated with tips that went nowhere, but like at least people were calling in. Yeah. Fuck, this poor man like lost his wife and his daughter who was like a second wife. 
and then yeah. oh no and like i mean it's probably like i mean that's the only thing in his mind he's got to figure it out yeah he yeah he was not giving up so he hired a private detective to investigate uh the security at the garage um and he also on the recommendation of his friend barbara he began to visit psychics in search of anything at all that he could hold on to. Hmm. So they went to one psychic named Poscarella Downey, and she told them that they wouldn't find Sarah's murderer right away, or Penny Sarah's murderer right away, uh-huh. uh, but to look for a mechanic whose name started with E. And then she predicted that they would connect him to the murder by blood. So, psychic, hmm. psychic. We both we got both a psychic. Psychics. We were, must yeah. have been psychic of each other. Oh, I love when that <laughs> happens when we have like a connection. So weird. So funny. I know. Uh, okay. Okay. Yes. Wait, who was going to a psychic? Her, her dad. Oh, okay. John. Just like he's like, I gotta just try got any angle. Detective. He got a psychic. He's doing everything he okay. can. So he also, he, I think he was also like a mechanic or worked at some kind of garage and he would watch every customer who came in, every man he saw on the street, and he was looking for signs oh, that someone was guilty. He'd be suspicious and of everyone. 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 And then he would look at their wrists. For bandages or scars. Ugh. He had to find out what happened to his daughter. Yes. So he also began driving up and down the streets of New Haven in like well into the night. Mm. He also would go to the scene of the crime regularly, just looking for anything, just trying to understand what happened. Like they must have and missed then, something. There's got to be something here that will lead to the killer Ugh. right or maybe if i'm here i could be like close to my daughter find out like what happened and he would talk to the police at least once a day and sometimes four or five times wow wow a day yeah a day there must a have been day. just like a separate phone line that he was calling into they'd be like oh mr sarah's calling yeah someone answer <laughs> yeah they must have. But, like, that's what you have to do to keep them, to keep it, like, on their minds. Because yeah. they're so busy. You got to, like, keep reminding them that someone cares about this person and this murder and they need it to be solved. Mm. Okay. So then he also went to Henry Lee, who's a nationally known forensic science investigator. He said that, that when John Sarah came to him, he said, Dr. Lee, you are our last hope. He also recalled his first conversation with John in 1998. Uh, At the time, John was terminally ill in the hospital. Oh, no, you got to figure this out now. I know. He called him and said, please don't forget my daughter. Henry Lee said, we're working very hard on the case. Nobody will forget Penny. Yeah, because he feels like he's the only one like reminding everyone and trying to get someone to figure out her case. Since it's been, like, so right. many years, and I'm sure the police are, like, looking at other, you know, tons of, we're dealing with tons of other cases and stuff. Right. And he, like, he had talked to everyone, yeah. everyone, and no one could give him answers. <sighs> so then finally, in 1997, a Connecticut, Rhode Island fingerprint database scored a hit. <gasps> they matched the left thumbprint mm-hmm. of Edward Grant. Edward Grant? 
His thumbprint, his partial thumbprint was on the tissue box that lay on the floor behind the driver's seat of the car driven by Penny. Uh-oh, Edward, you're getting busted. So at the time that Lee talked to Sarah, he knew that they had a new suspect, uh, but he didn't tell what Sarah about it because he was worried that that he would be able to explain it away but but he's basically. on his deathbed you just be like we caught him we did it i know i know that's how i feel about it too mm-hmm. so edward r grant is a car mechanic <gasps> e and a mechanic mechanic from waterbury hmm yeah and sarah ended up dying seven months before grant was ever arrested or charged with the murder so awful okay and the only reason that they matched that fingerprint to grant was because his fingerprint entered the system in the summer of 1994 because he was charged with beating his then fiance ah another charming woman beater nice yeah another one isn't that great cute quaint uh Connecticut wife beating town. Yeah, cute. Very nice. Uh, Okay, scumbag. So he has a propensity to attack women. Okay, uh-huh. Yeah. But does, so, does he know her? Or did he know? N- no, we'll get into that okay, a little bit. So Lee said, he said, if his fingerprint was not in the system, we still wouldn't know who killed Penny. So it was just luck that they, like, kept running the fingerprint over and over and over again until Mm. finally there was a match. So they also tested the DNA on the handkerchief, and Mm -hmm. it matched Grant's blood. So looking pretty good. Busted, Grant. Although Uh Grant's defense, Uh they said there was no motive. Grant and Sarah didn't know each other. There was no reason for him to, like, attack her and murder her. Hmm. And they also said there were questions about whether the evidence had been degraded or contaminated because it had been stored in hot storage conditions. Oh, come on, police. Get it together. You're going to store your evidence in a room that's not temperature controlled, so it just damages shit? How hot does Connecticut get? I mean, I don't know. It's... New England, right? So it gets muggy. Ew, yeah, for sure, muggy. Wet, hot. Ew. Well, I'm (laughs) sure they have like a lot of evidence that they're keeping, you know. But like, Uh, yeah, they should like put it in. They should have like walk-in freezers for shit. Just temperature controlled, like something humidity, humidity, temperature. I don't know. It just seems like if you're gonna try and charge people with this evidence. Make sure it's Don't not let it damaged. <laughs> yeah, you'd think so. Oh, so man. his defense attorneys also said that he was very respectful, very kind, and his family was also very respectful and very kind. He's just so charming when he's not beating a woman. Yes. So <laughs> remember, as you did, that he beat his fiance. Uh-huh. They qu- they said that he beat her so fiercely that she was hospitalized. But other than that, he's a really nice he's guy. He's super nice. <laughs> oh, God. Just don't make him mad. Nope. No. That's so nope. fucking bad. Mm-mm. Hospitalized. 
Ugh. And chances are that's not the first time that he beat the shit out of her, right? Definitely this time not. he was arrested because she had to go to the hospital. But I'm yeah. pretty sure he probably like beat her before. Uh-huh. So also in 1991, he was part of the Connecticut National Guard. Mm. While he was there, he was riding in a Jeep and it rolled over. Uh-oh. Let the me guess. In- Brain damage. Mm, ding, ding, ding. The injuries that he sustained required a steel plate to be placed in his head. Yikes. And they said that the long-term effects of this injury were that he suffered from memory loss and severe mood swings. Okay. Well, seems pretty clear from sounding the more and more abuse. like the, Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Well, and it kind of makes more sense even if he didn't know her if he felt slighted by her or something some altercation happened and he just like mm-hmm. snapped into his like violent mood just had a mood swing and just like chased yeah. her down and then killed her and was yeah. like oh i gotta figure out how to get out of here well i mean maybe he like was so mad that he stabbed her and then after he kind of like snapped out of it and was like fuck <laughs> mm. Yeah. Maybe. I'm like, oh, the closest car is her car. I'll drive it. And he's like, I'm lost down here with this car. I got to find my own car to get out for some reason. Well, yeah, like maybe, yeah, because he could have taken like her keys and been like, well, I have the keys to this car. I might as well. Or if she was if she was in the car when he like attacked her, the keys are already in the ignition, maybe. Right. Right. Could be. Or he wanted, or he came to, like you said, and he wanted to give himself some time to run, so he moved the car to create distance from her body. Right, to make it less suspicious. Or even, even it could have been like, you know, how how people like will cover the face of their victim or whatever if they feel guilty about it. Like maybe that was like kind of his distancing, like physically distancing himself to kind Mm. of like make it less horrible for himself. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Although it just seems really weird that she was stabbed once in the heart if he like snapped and he, you know, he got to the point where he beat his girlfriend or wife or whatever almost to death. Yeah. So he, so that to me says like rage and like over and over again, punching or whatever. But to just do one stab, that takes some well, kind of unless, control. Unless maybe he... Maybe he thought that she was his, like, former fiancé until he, like, stabbed her and then realized that she wasn't and then was like, fuck. Mm, she had some kind of I just, of like, stabbed, like, an innocent mm. person or something. Not that his fiancé wasn't an innocent person. I'm sure she fucking was. Right, but the person saying. that he really had anger for, for some reason. Right. Ugh. Right. For his own fucking issues. Uh-huh. So, but here's here's where it gets kind of messy. Okay. So, Grant's attorneys also said that, or messier, I guess. Uh-huh. They said that he didn't do it. It was actually an Albanian immigrant who uh-huh. had killed uh-huh. Penny. It wasn't him. It was that pesky clown at McDonald's that <laughs> snuck in here and beat her. Like, what? That sounds really far-fetched. He- Well, it does until you realize that in the mid-90s, the authorities applied for warrants twice to arrest the Albanian man. 
But two superior court judges refused to sign. For this crime? Yeah. Hmm. They refused to sign the arrest warrants because of lack of evidence. So they were already kind of on to this person. But then it's kind of like, well, that's like your defense attorney's job to find the most likely other suspect to create reasonable doubt. Sure. So maybe they're like, oh, they were going to arrest this guy. Let's like accuse him of it. But if police already tried twice to arrest him. But what evidence were the police going on for this arrest? Okay. So in 1998, John Sarah died. He offered statements that the suspects, the Albanian suspects' dental bills were found in his car the day his daughter was killed. He told them that what? the bills were not there. Like paper, when he let like, like, Penny like paper statements car. that said, like, oh, you got this implant, you owe this much money. I think so. I think that's what a bill is, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's well, a bill. Yeah. So they were know. like under the. They were under the sun visor. So he said that when she left that morning, they weren't there. And then all of a sudden, they're there. Hmm. So at some point, she must have seen him that day. And she wasn't going to work. Like, she didn't Not park there I'm to go to of. work or anything. Cause... I don't think dentists are open on Sundays. Maybe a special cleaning? I don't know. I mean... No, I don't think so, though. Okay, well, that's really fucking weird, then. Why... What would she have to do? I mean, he went... I'm assuming that the bills were from her office. Yeah, they had to have been. So maybe he was, like, mad about a bill or something. But But then, I mean, I feel like he would have, like... Well, I know, but maybe there's some kind of misunderstanding where he was like, you were there and now I see, like... Mm. I want to dispute the bill with you. Yeah, because he's like, I recognize you. You were at the dentist's office. But then I feel like he'd like throw like the bills at her or something. Why would she like tuck them away? No, I feel like he wouldn't. So like, what what happened? Where did she get those bills? And why did she tuck them away? That's bizarre. Yeah. Oh no, I have like zero explanation for that. The other thing that was kind of weird and kind of like, ooh, ooh, mm. is the, remember the garage attendant who wiped away the blood? Yeah. He said that the man who gave him that bloody ticket appeared to have an injury on his left side. Okay. So he asked if he could help, and the man responded, no thanks, in a distinctively foreign accent, and then he drove off. Okay. But here, so here's my thing. Could it have been a coincidence? Could he have like injured himself and then like been like, so no you're saying gone? that the the immigrant guy, the Albanian dude, was actually there also, but like maybe had some kind of thing like, hey, uh, oh, I just ran into you in the parking lot. You're the dental hygienist. I randomly carry around my bill. Could you? Would you mind like taking this? To the office and seeing if your if your boss would lower my rate. I don't know. And then she's like, "Sure know. thing, let me tuck this in." He's like, "All right, cheerio." And then he's like in his car trying to like trim his nails or something and cuts. His well, what I'm saying, okay, what I'm saying though <laughs> is, what if what if the person who murdered her didn't drive there initially? What if they just like went into the parking garage, like walked in, mm. intending on like stealing a car? You're not going to leave your car in a parking garage to steal a different car. But that's why it seems, I mean, it seems like 
it doesn't seem like the motor the motor the motive is robbery or grand theft right if but like, then you why, think that they knew her you right think because the why would you known her then. why would you be like oh i'm gonna steal this car oh the woman's running screaming away from the car great i'm gonna just I'm gonna steal chase it now. her down yeah like why wouldn't yeah, you just yeah. like drive away if that's your goal yes right yeah. Maybe you're like, oh, she still has that parking ticket. I got to get it from her or else I will owe a lot of money. <laughs> I won't be I able to get out ticket. the garage. She took yeah. it from me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's really weird. But I feel like what I mean, I just feel like the chances of the person coming in and killing her, like what if they didn't have a car? I mean, it's... The other thing about the accent is, like we were saying, big parking garage, how many cars have gone through? You get people kind of mixed up together. Yeah. I mean, it's a big day. You got a bloody ticket, so you're yeah. going to remember that probably. And then what else stuck out during the day? Yeah. Oh, someone had an accent because, like, nobody has accents in Connecticut, so that stuck out. And then right, maybe I just combined oh, wait, the I memories. Said, I said it was a Sunday. I don't know if it was a Sunday. Where did I get that information? I don't know. You just threw it in there. I did. I don't know if it was a Sunday. It what just, if she what? I don't know. It just felt like the Lord's Day. I don't know. What if she? What if she did like run into work or something and got the bills? I don't know. But then what's she gonna do? Deliver them? Yeah, unless. Ma- but I feel like I just feel like a bloody. T- how often are you getting bloody tickets? Ooh, like, wouldn't sure. you remember who handed you the bloody ticket? You would think so, but I mean... You would think so. But he didn't think it was weird enough to call the police about the bloody ticket. Well, the kids didn't think it was weird enough that a woman was being chased by some dude to call it in. Right. So, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess he was like, oh, he got injured somehow and is handing me this bloody ticket. He said, no, I don't need help. You know, all about independence and... Yeah, and it was the only You're weird... right to bleed on your tickets. And <laughs> it was the only strange occurrence of the day. He doesn't remember, like, anything else happening. And the other... Well, the other weird thing is that that man, the Albanian man, mm-hmm. had a long scar on his left hand. Hmm. But then that f- first guy that knew her mm-hmm. had a scar on his arm, right? Yeah. So apparently, apparently it's a pretty common yeah. people injury. in Connecticut are just getting their left arms cut up left and right. I don't know what right. they're doing with their left arms. <laughs> no, just left, not left and right. Oh, oh just I meant, left. you know. <laughs> <laughs> left and left. Left and left all over town. Seems like a common occurrence, apparently. Yeah. So I don't know. And then and then Grant said that he was at his cabin in Vermont at the time of the murder. But it's like he couldn't find anyone to corroborate that, I guess. He must have gone by himself. And yeah, like, you were by yourself at a cabin. How convenient. Not gone anywhere. I know. So I don't know. Those states are small over there. You can literally drive from one to the other in like an, a few hours. Yeah, he could have left and then gone right there. And he there. could have been in Vermont yeah. at the cabin like That's true. that night. That's true. Uh, so the other thing is both men have type O blood. Hmm. So. I mean, that is a common blood type though. But here's the thing. So I guess the blood could have matched either man, but the prosecutors say that it most closely matched Grant's blood. What? But it also could have matched the other guy's blood. So they're not doing. 
Because I think they're just doing like a couple markers. I don't mm. think, I mean, first they're probably doing like, okay, it's type O. Yeah. Then they're probably doing like negative or positive. And then like secure, then, secretor, non-secretor. Like, yeah, that kind of a thing, probably. Because, I mean, it's the 90s, so they're... they're... Well, it's 2002. Oh, so they're, they should still have early, some... though. Uh, yeah. It's still early. Mm. Hmm. Well, and they didn't test that one dude's blood until it was, like, way late. So clearly they're not, yeah, like, on like, their I'm blood totally evidence so much. Yeah, totally positive. And they were like, well, he says he's so positive, so what, are we going to call him a liar now? I mean, that'd be just disrespectful. I don't know. But then the other thing is the psychic said e-name mechanic blood match. Well, you got to take the psychic's word. I mean, how would she have known? Well, you got 26 choices in the the alphabet. Yeah. Choose a letter. Pick a Mm -hmm. common job job description. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So, okay. So pretty tricky, right? The defense attorneys did a really good job yeah, they, of creating reasonable doubt, create, yep. I think. Yeah. If you're in this, if you're a jury person on this trial, what would you say? Do you think the reasonable doubt is like enough? I mean, honestly, the thumbprint matched. The thumbprint. But, like, here's my other thing. How are you going to, like, what happened? Was the tissue box, like, in the front and you grab it and throw it to the back? Or do you, like, reach around and grab it, trying to grab a tissue? Like, grab it with your left hand so you can pull a tissue out with your right hand because you're bleeding? Like, Here's what I think. I think he had his hanky, like, around his whatever got cut. He's, like, bringing it to the car. He like, maybe it like got so full of blood he just like drops it on the ground and he gets into the car Ew. to like mm-hmm. drive around and he sees the tissue box on the floor so he like grabs it picks it up like maybe grabs some tissues out of it holds the it to the wound and then just like chucks it in the back while he's driving. Okay, but the one what the one article said that they found the t- the handkerchief near the car. Mm. So I don't know if he's like dripping blood. So, that, like, if he's, like, dripping blood from the stairwell to where her car was, uh-huh. where they thought her car was, then the blood stops right. and then starts again on the seventh level right. where they find the handkerchief and then all of a sudden blood is dripping again and then they must have – it must have stopped again when he got into another car. That must have been, like, the blood trail they were following. Hmm. So maybe he, like, gets out of the car on the seventh level, accidentally drops – I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's weird. I mean, mm-hmm. hmm. So it seemed like he dropped it going from her car to his car. Yeah, possibly, possibly if it's, you know, by her car. I mean, it could have been one of those things where he's bleeding so much that he, you know, reaches in her grabs the tissues out of her car and like puts it underneath the hanky and kind of like ties it on as like a bandage thing and then like as he's like going to the other car the the hanky falls off because he's in a hurry and he didn't tie it good enough or something i don't know but then the tissues would fall i don't know either yeah Hmm. unless it's like so soaked that it just sticks on ew i know well it sounds like it if he's leaving a trail of blood yeah i mean how much blood did he lose i I don't know. I don't know. Weird. Plus, back in those days, you're driving a manual. Yeah. 
So you're like bleeding profusely from your left hand and driving your car. And those things don't turn easily. They don't have power steering. (laughs) Did they find any injuries on him that we know of? On Grant? Yeah, like years later, did they find any scars? I mean, chances are he had like a bunch of scars because he was in the National Guard and like beat the shit out of his fiance probably multiple times. Because that would have been a thing I would want to know as a jury member. Yeah. Where was he bleeding from? Yeah, because clearly it's a lot of blood. Right. So it had to have been, he had to have like nicked an artery or something if it's like pouring out of him. Yeah. Unless he's like anemic or something. I don't don't see anywhere where it says that he did have the scar. I don't know that you can be in like the National Guard if you're anemic, right? No, I don't think so. Yeah, they don't want you bleeding out. Well, if you can't have like high arches or whatever, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if the Marines is pickier though because they're like hardcore. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, if he rolled over in a Jeep, he probably has a bunch of injuries. That's true. Right? Yeah, he would They don't specify though, but they Mm. don't specify. That's really weird. Hmm. Okay, so the jurors took nearly three days to reach their decision. Mm -hmm. They announced on May 28th, 2002, that Grant, 59 at the time, was guilty. Yeah, yeah, I could see where they would believe that. He is now 77 and is in prison serving the 20 years to life prison sentence. Mm Mm-hmm. So the judge said to him at his sentencing, someone left that beautiful young woman dead or dying in a dirty stairwell in a parking garage. Yeah. No one can deny what the evidence shows beyond any doubt that someone was you. Yeah. I mean, the evidence points to him. I would like, I would, I wish that they could like retry the blood or like test the blood, the DNA now and then give a definitive answer because... Or, like, convince, I mean, or compare the thumbprint to that other dude's thumb. Yeah. Print. Or fingerprints or whatever. Hmm. Or something. I know, like, re- like, I know it costs a lot of money to do DNA testing, but yeah. you'd think you'd want to, like, check your work, you know, just to right. make absolute sure that you're not imprisoning someone falsely because what a horrible thing that is. Right. But, I mean, the evidence does not look good for him at all. It doesn't look good. And, obviously, the judge was, like, super convinced. Mm-hmm. And maybe just, I mean, maybe it's just that he had really good defense attorneys. And, I mean, ugh. Even, I, I, I'm inclined to believe that he did it based on the evidence. But I'm going to say, even if he didn't do it, he's a fucking woman beater. Yeah. He can sit in jail. That's fine. Well, that's... That's true. <laughs> well, and then so so I chose this case because I looked into like psychics solving <laughs> crimes because uh-huh. I've been watching Monk and then there's uh, that one episode of the psychic psych- ended up at the crime scene and I was like, does this really happen? <laughs> and so I found this one and it was like it, all the articles I read were like a little short, mm-hmm. you know. And they were like, oh, this psychic solved this crime, the E and the whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. And then the more I was reading it, the more I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> there's like some doubt here. Mm-hmm. But then, I, yeah, I don't know. I but don't like know if he just has really good defense attorneys or. I was going to say, like you said, the defense did their job. They did a really good job. So minutes before he was sentenced, Grant stood up in court and said as he fought back tears. Oh, poor baby. 
I'm sorry for the pain, sorrow, and loss of the Sarah family. I can't imagine, I can't begin to imagine it. I had no part in this tragic event. However, the jury has convicted me and I ask for leniency. I lived my entire life trying to make life better for my family. Oh, you piece of shit. You beat your wife to <laughs> almost death. You could have been charged with family her murder yet. almost. No, she's a fiance. Sorry. It's not family yet. Your fiance. And like you could have almost, <laughs> you were supposed to almost love. charged with her murder because she almost died. Uh-huh. Hospitalized. Yeah. So Rosemary Sarah, Penny's younger sister, delivered her own tearful statement during that sentencing hearing. She said her family had spent many hours at her father's grave trying to understand her sister's murder. She said, no prison sentence can quantify the living nightmare I have lived. How Oof. could someone leave my sister alone That poor girl lost everyone in her family. Well, yeah, because after her sister, so her mom died, and then her sister steps up for like 10, 11 years. Yeah. And then her sister died, and then her dad became so obsessed with finding who killed her sister yeah, that he was probably focused on that. And like, not who knows what kind of helping upbringing she and, had? Yeah, ugh. yeah. Who knows? Like, she lived a hard Fuck. life. So tragic. Ugh. Yeah. So tossed salad, scrambled egg. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. The tossed salad. A scrambled egg. The tossed salad. The tossed salad. And the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components. The person is able to compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind. They're all kinds of mixed up. There's no focus. They're disorganized. Going on the assumption that Grant did murder her. Yeah. I mean, it seems pretty likely. I think he was a loose cannon with like a bit of a scramble from the brain bashing he took. Mm -hmm. So Well, that could have explained like him being confused in the parking garage if he has yeah. memory issues it could have explained his like quick burst of like anger mood swing chase her down mm-hmm. stab mm-hmm. her once and then like something leave. crazy yeah right i mean it could explain those things and then him like maybe just completely forgetting that it even happened and he believes in his mind that he's innocent because he doesn't remember doing it right maybe yeah Mm, I think he's the most likely. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I I really want to know what that guy's paperwork was doing in her car. Yeah, yeah that's so weird. Unless, like we talked about, unless they did run into each other that day, and he for some reason gave her the bills, or if she like ran into the office really quickly and for some reason was like going to file the bills or something, and just like I don't know. Or she knew where he lived and was going to drop yeah. it off in his mailbox. I don't know or like how that, yeah. Because it's so weird that it was in her visor. Like someone placed it there caringly. Right. You know, like not just like, I mean, the, whoever got in her car like grabbed, had blood all over them. So there would be blood on the paper, you would assume. And then he just like th- tossed the 
tissue box in the trunk, like, or in the back seat. So it seemed like he would have just, if he had the papers, he would have just, like, thrown them on the seat next to him. Yeah, he wouldn't have tucked them into the visor. Yeah. Yeah. Seems weird. Yeah, it seems like, it seems like maybe she got those before she even got in the parking garage and just tucked them away and then Mm -hmm. parked her car and, like, like, ran her errand or whatever. Maybe she stopped at work before she went to the parking Mm -hmm. garage and... I know I we need there know. there needs to be like more information unless it is mm-hmm. solved and then it's like whatever but it's still kind of just like mysterious it's like what happened Yeah what happened what that day such a violent reaction Ugh. and she was just supposedly running errands and she was and just starting her life and she she was a baby she was so like responsible and mature for everyone else and then for her to be taken so early ugh. Her poor family so and her poor, poor self. That's awful. Ugh. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Horrible. I hate the ones that take like 30 years for them to be like, I, I do too. this is who did it. I do too. But the cool thing about like DNA these days is a lot of times yeah. it's like fucking we know you did it. And guess what? Now, now you have to like suffer. <laughs> yeah, you can't talk your way yeah, out of DNA. Yeah, we proved it. <laughs> but that's why they need to get rid of the statute of limitations because it's like, yes, if someone was like a rapist in the seventies and then got away with it until now, and then they're like, we know we who was a serial rapist, but yeah. we can't charge you because for whatever reason no. you're forgiven now because time went by. It's like no, no, no. That's yeah. That needs to change. Yeah, that's so fucked up. Anyway, I don't I don't know what he was. It sounds like maybe he was kind of scrambled. Ugh. Fuck, I don't know, but that sucked. Oh. <laughs> yeah, something's not right. Mm. All right, let's talk about Fuck. something a little more lighthearted. You want to do some crime and sakes? Some crime and sakes. And now for the portion that we like to call crime and sakes. We tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. Okay, so I got this information from the Daily Beast, where I got my original story from. This, I'm just going to go into it. it. A kinky sex Uh romp between (laughs) a New Orleans priest and two (gasps) dominatrices. Dominatrices? Domin- two dominatrixes. Trixies. Dominatrices. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Dominatrices. Yeah. <laughs> On a church altar <gasps> has led New Orleans Archbishop Gregory Amon to set fire to the altar where the deplorable what act took the place. Fuck? The New Orleans advocate reports Amon called Reverend Travis Clark demonic for the unholy encounter all of which was recorded (laughs) (laughs) the the pearl river pastor has reportedly been arrested after he was allegedly caught having sex with the two women on his church's altar what did they arrest him for According to the WWL-TV, an eyewitness said the women were dressed in corsets and high-heeled boots. A phone was recording the sinful act on a tripod. And the ch- Time out. Someone bought a tripod for their phone. Yeah. What? What year is this? I mean, it was... It was... Uh, 
No, I but it like was like somewhat recently. To imagine, like with within the past like two two or damn, three years, I'd I say. would imagine it was a flip phone that they like glued no. to a tripod. No. It's not a flip phone. <laughs> Can't even record with flip phones. What are you talking about? There's no camera on that shit. Okay, that's what I okay. want to imagine, okay? Okay. Well, but just think about, like, as a dominatrix, yeah. you're like, what a better backdrop than to film this For shit sure. happening in a church yeah. on an altar. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to bring my tripod and film this shit. No one's going to believe it. Yeah, I'm going to bring my phone's tripod. <laughs> <laughs> so, Okay. A phone was recording, and the church was kitted out with sex toys <gasps> and a lighting rig. A lighting rig. Oh, this, so they had like women cameras. Are professional. Professional. Mm-hmm. They had like lighting mm-hmm. and cameras mm-hmm. <laughs> and their outfits. One of the women works as a dominatrix. Well, I guess both of them yeah. do, but it's just, this the article says one of the women works as a dominatrix, and on the day of the incident, posted that she was on her way to defile a house of God. Ooh. <laughs> Clark and the two women were all booked on obscenity charges Ooh. and a ritual a ritual was later performed <laughs> to cleanse the <laughs> church of sin. the shit out of that altar. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Bradley holy Phillips. Water. He's like, no, no, the big holy water. <laughs> this is going <laughs> to take tub. a lot. <laughs> we got to douse this shit. <laughs> we got to get the holy fire. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, meanwhile, Bradley Phillips, an attorney for the two women, said his clients had done nothing wrong no. since the sex was not in public view. Which I agree. Yeah, it's all consensual. It's yeah. Behind closed doors. Behind closed doors. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Maybe the other one was like a dominatrix <laughs> in training. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah an assistant what? dominatrix. What a kinky priest. Oh. <laughs> Uh, okay, and then I found this one because <laughs> I thought of you and your fly problem that you've yes. been having at your mm-hmm. home. So this one's from BBC. Oh, no. I don't know that I want to use it. Okay. <laughs> the man who was in his 80s was about to tuck into his dinner when he became irritated tuck by a fly. his dinner? It's so delightfully phrase. British. <laughs> Going to tuck into your dinner mm-hmm. when he became irritated by a fly <gasps> buzzing around him. Uh-huh. So he picked up his electric fly swatter like you told me and to started mm-hmm. right and started targeting it, swinging around. Yeah, you know. gotta get that fucking fly. They're so irritating. But what he Uh-oh. didn't know was that a gas canister <gasps> was leaking in his Dordogne home. Oh my God. A reaction between the device and the gas caused an explosion, oh my God. <laughs> destroying the kitchen and partly damaging the roof of the home Was he okay? in the Parkul Chanyard village. <gasps> According to local media, the unma- unnamed man had a lucky escape. Oh my God. Sustaining just a burn on the hand. Oh my God. And said, however, the fate of the fly is not known. You know what? <laughs> I know it. That fucking fly got away and it's irritating someone else who's tucked in for dinner. Those things are so fucking, they're awful. You think they're gone and then they pop up again. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. So I, I read that and then I was like, oh, maybe I should tell you not to get an electric yeah. fly swatter. You might blow and your house that up. that advice, I will not get one of those. Thank you. I'm already afraid of electricity. There's no way I'm, like, bringing more electricity into the house. 
this poor 80-year-old man has since checked into a local campsite while his family repairs his home. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) What a scare for that 80-year-old man. (laughs) Just like, oh, goddamn fly. (laughs) He gets so lucky. Oh, my God. He is so lucky that he survived Mm -hmm. with just a hand burn. Oh. <laughs> okay. This is from www. Do I need to do that? No. WKRG.com, <laughs> which is some kind of news something. Sounds like it. It says Memphis police arrested a man accused of calling 911 dozens of times Wednesday. Oh, this is what we were on just one talking a- about. This is why people are afraid of calling 911. <laughs> people like this. What? Well, on one occasion, offering appetizers to the police dispatcher. Oh, that's nice. Court documents say Hugh N- uh, Nguyen has called 911 approximately 1,171 times since July 15th of 2020 without having an emergency. He called the department's a emergency line. Times? To- How many times a day is that? Holy <laughs> that's shit, a lot, that's a lot. That's that's like since July. And uh, he, so he called the non-emergency number that many times. And then he called the emergency line 241 <gasps> times on September 1st, just on one no. day. And 32 times on September 2nd. How, you just like keep putting redial. <laughs> yeah. During one of the calls on September 2nd, police say that Nguyen... Uh, asked dispatchers if they wanted to buy egg rolls and then hung up. <laughs> what is happening? Police found him in a Memphis shopping center and took him into custody. I'm thinking some kind of mental issues. He just wants to eat with them. Why don't they just go they... eat with him? I don't understand the You guys want egg rolls? Want some appetizers? appetizers? Egg rolls? I got egg rolls. You want to buy some egg rolls? We got appetizers. <laughs> Fucking A. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, at least he was mostly calling the non-emergency line. Yeah, just to see if they want if they were hungry. Yeah. Like, you hungry yet? Yeah. I called two seconds ago. Uh, you hungry lunch yet? Time. It's dinner time. It's breakfast time. <laughs> you hungry? Come on, midnight snack. Why Hello? are none of you guys ever hungry? <laughs> you guys not want to be friends? Uh, everyone loves an egg roll. Why don't you want me? Everyone. Everyone loves when someone brings appetizers. I do love an appetizer. <laughs> egg roll. I do love an egg roll. <laughs> Wow. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in for another week, and we hope you enjoyed our fucked up stories. Uh, Join us again next week for part two of Matt's The Monopoly Mystery. And for a new story from me. And Mm -hmm. check out our sponsor, Humblebee Herbal, at humblebeeherbal.com. Check out their cool stuff. They've got a lot of really good products. It's all really good ingredients, and... You will love it. Crimeny20 at checkout. You can plug it in at the basket. You can plug it in at checkout. Get 20% off your first order. And for the podcast, rate, review, subscribe, reach out, crimeanypodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. I think I got it covered. Our, Check uh, out the Instagram. Instagram at uh, crimeanypodcast. And yep, we will speak at you next week. Goodbye. Bye.
Uh, I just found it in my car. My car's from here. I'm from here. Did I say I'm from here? I live here. I live here. I found it in my car. I bought it at the McDonald's here. They're gross. I don't want to eat it. <laughs> Learn something new every day. Handkerchief. 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 Headkerchief. Neckerchief. A handkerchief. Handkerchief.